That is some legit good music by Pamplamousse, uh, which I have on good authority. It's actually French for pineapple. Uh, yeah. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to... What's the name of the show? Black Sky Legion, episode 94, Ladies Night, and we're feeling right. Oh, yes, it's Ladies Night. Oh, what a, oh, what a night. We've got myself, Kaizen, Katie Byrne, the lovely and talented, Roy Cookson, and Jade and Raincloud. So it's, we've got more, we got, we're outnumbered. We got the ladies are in charge tonight. So we're going to start right off the bat with the ladies. We're going to work our ways from the guests up. Let's start with uh jade from uh soul citizen why don't you say hello to the beautiful people tell us what you're drinking and uh a little bit about yourself sure um so i'm jade also known as jade star watcher in the uh star citizen community and i am drinking a well it's, it's got no alcohol in it but it's um half lemonade half um lemon green tea Ooh, an arnold palmer yeah. Nice. Is that what that's called? Yeah, when you okay. do half lemonade, half tea, it's called an Arnold Palmer. I, that's not how he drinks it, the golfer dude. Does he drink it with green tea or, or just like black tea? I think just like tea and lemonade, but just that's okay. a generic term. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, And I guess I should uh, tell people mm -hmm. what I do. Sure. Star season. All right, so I am recently... Is in like within the last, I think, four months, a new member of the Soul Citizens um, crew and and uh, hosts. So you can catch me over on Twitch.tv slash Soul Citizens every Sunday. Um, I'm also frequent in Soul Talk, which is our uh, community talk show where people from the Star Citizen community or Elite community or any space game really. Mm -hmm. um, can come in and interact with us and talk. I am also one of the original mods in the Star Citizen Ladies Discord. I'm, I'm still a mod there. And also, I started a little radio station Ooh. that in the Star Citizen universe called the People's Radio, uh, patterned after um, um, Lave Radio or Radio Lave, mm -hmm. um, which I came across when I got into Elite. And I'd, I'd seen that there were like stations and stuff that were like set in in the lore and universe of Elite. And I wanted the same thing for Star Citizen. I didn't really see anything like that, like on a consistent basis for news, music, information, all within like set within the game. So I, I started that as well. And we're going to be relaunching around the time of CitizenCon. So I invite you to check out our weekend tests up until then at twitch.tv slash the people's radio we're also streaming on mixcloud live um so you can find that at mixcloud.com slash the people's radio and i believe i may have covered just about every oh the other thing i've done i organized the first yuri's night celebration in the star city universe so it was a big pub crawl space pub crawl with uh luxury ships going through the Stanton system in 2948, a.k.a. 2018. Beautiful. That's all. So 
uh, just for those keeping track at home, I, I didn't even know there was a ladies' Discord for Star Citizen. I'm going to try to get into that. Uh, we got. You're welcome as long as you abide by the rules. Right, right. So we've got. <laughs> I'm just being silly. We got Twitch Soul Citizens. TV uh, forward slash Soul Citizens. It's in the show notes. Twitch People's Radio. Uh, Twitch TV forward slash The People's Radio. In the show notes. We've got your YouTube in the show notes we've got the discords to both soul uh sorry star citizens ladies night out uh don't 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 i was just joking don't join and be weird it's 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 for the ladies we got discord the people's radio discord as well link in the show notes and your twitter so people can you know follow along with all of your stuff so yeah and and jade is uh a irl scientist yeah I think that is correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the only the, the the reason why I bring that up is because over at Soul Citizens, when we get to sciency stuffs, it's always like, hey, let we don't know. Let's ask Jade, and we go from there. Um, so yeah, I just definitely wanted to give that a shout out. Thank and, you. And let's move on to our other lovely lady guest of the night. We've got Lady Raincloud, who you all know. Uh, is a reoccurring guest. We'd like to have Rain on, you know, once a month or so. She is one of the Star Citizen researchers. She is an OG Star Citizen backer and a community manager in the game development, you know, industry or area, whatever uh, aspect of, of, of that. So she brings a sort of very unique perspective, kind of, you can see from the other side of things like, you know, hey man, this is sort of how game companies look at things and 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 sort of view things. Say hello to the, the beautiful people, Rain. Tell us what you're drinking and tell us a little bit about yourself and all of your links and whatnot. And also, you need to. I'm not letting you go without highlighting your Saturday night streams where you stream very cool, sciency, spacey games. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah. So hi everybody. Uh, Kara here, uh, aka Lady Rain Cloud. Um, and yeah, some of you know me, some of you don't, as Kai mentioned, I'm a community and media relations manager in the games industry by trade, done that for 10 years. Um, before that I was in the U S Navy as a hospital corpsman. So disabled veteran, honorably discharged if people care, uh, was a medical professional in the military. And, um, tonight's drink of choice is Jose Cuervo, Margarita, strawberry and lime. Nice. So, that's been fun. Um, and yes, I'm also uh, trans and part of the LGBT community. So also please check out the Star Citizen LGBT community discord, which is really, really nice. We can get that later um, for those that are there. So uh, other than that, yeah, I've been with Star Citizen since the beginning. And you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash later in cloud. Um, I'm also starting up my own game studio. Uh, we have a Discord for Siren Song Studios, which will obviously be in the notes. And you can find me on twitter.com slash Raincloud and twitter.com slash songsiren for the studio Twitter account. Beautiful. Uh, Rain, I'm going to ask you, please, uh, before the, the end of the night, update the under your guest interview section for, mm. for that... Um, uh, what did you say? It was trans persons of Star Citizen or whatever that Discord, so that people LGBTQ, LGBTQ plus. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that people can get access to that. Uh, we definitely are all about, you know, inclusion and making sure that we reach out to everybody and, you know, feel free to join in in the discussion over there and, and let's let's build up that discord. Let's make it stronger. Let's show whether you happen to be a person of the LGBTQ plus spectrum or just an ally, whatever. Let's let's all stand together in solidarity of just not being a dick i think Sounds that's good. a way to put it yeah yeah beautiful all right and moving on to our next lovely lady we have the lovely the talented katie burn hello as always everybody um it is delightful to be here we've got a great show lined up and i am furiously just typing out some notes very quickly <laughs> in the background <laughs> uh, some of the news items we're covering mm-hmm. um Tonight I am drinking, I am not drinking alcohol, I'm designated driver tonight, I'm drinking, Ooh. in fact, I might even be the supercharged driver because I'm drinking Monster Energy Ultra, the, nice. the sugar free, of course, I've got a case of it, so Ooh. I'm just going to be drinking that through the night, if I start to talk very, very quickly near the end, you'll know why. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I am on my fifth Dragon's Milk, and... I don't know if I should admit that. I'm just drinking vodka. I have a glass. There's vodka in it. I have two ice cubes. I keep refilling it every time I see the ice cubes. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm enjoying it. I Whatever. Everybody has their own taste. Uh, yeah. And Roy, what you <laughs> drinking tonight? How you feeling, brother? Good evening, everyone. Yeah, I'm drinking some, uh, it's a California red blend called The Last Room. So it's a nice little bottle of blended red wine here. Hmm. Nothing too fancy, but it goes down well. Okay, okay. Hey, red wine. I, you know, if I had a nickel for every time I started this show with, I'm sipping a nice Merlot. You know, (laughs) I'm I'm also very classy. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, With regard to the LGBTQ uh, Star Citizens Discord, it currently is, uh, I think, not open for general invites. If you would like to be a part of that project and take part in it, contact Lady Rain directly. You can find her in the uh, uh, Black Sky Legion Discord, and she will get you a link because... If there is any members listening of the LGBTQ plus community or people who would like to just, you know, take part in the discussion, we want to make sure that you are included. And I'm sure that Rain will hook you up, take good care of you. I will. Absolutely. So let's get this intro going here. Right off the bat, let's start off with the fact that, um, holy cow. Our awesome thumbnail was Burn Baby Burn by Commander Meskimi ECC. Bonjour, ça va? Uh, a, a, a phenomenal content creator of the French uh, nationality community of both Star Citizen and Elite Dangerous. Meskimi is, uh, uh, you know, we love Meskimi. He's, uh, unless I'm very much mistaken, he's a member of Remlock. He might not be. I know there's like two very big french content creator groups uh he's an amazing artist so we want to give him lots of love and and you know yes uh our opening song was bulletproof by pumplamoose 
Uh, link is in the show notes. Our closing song is going to be In Hell, I'll Be in Good Company by the Dead South. Link is in the show notes. Uh, we got a bunch of cool new stingers. I uh, I just paid out of pocket this very cool British lady to record a lot of stuff for us uh, with stingers and stuff. So we're covering a very cool new space survival game that we're excited to show you about. Elite dropped some info, and we have more on the Highford's cash story as it presented itself. The Argo cargo is dominating in this ship showdown, and we have a sneak peek at next year's winner. I'm calling it now. More Xenothreat talk and sitcom speculation, and Nomansky dropped the Frontiers update, and there's much rejoicing amongst the travelers in the galaxy. All this and more, so stay tuned. If you're listening to us on the podcast and would like to see the live show and visuals, check us out on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash blackskylegion, and on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash blackskylegion. If you're watching us on YouTube or Twitch and would like to know how to catch our podcast, check out anchor.fm forward slash blackskylegion. For sending us your thoughts by email, you can reach us at blackskylegion at gmail.com. Our very active and growing Black Sky Legion Discord can be found at tinyurl.com forward slash BSL Discord, where you can check out community feedback, resources on Elite Dangerous, Star Citizen, and No Man's Sky and get real-time updates from a variety of content creators. In addition to the Discord community feedback channel, feel free to write in our YouTube comments anything about the topic of the week, as well as anything else you'd like to share. We'd love to hear from you. Also, if you're enjoying the show on YouTube, please make sure to like and subscribe and click on the bell. It really helps us out. On Twitch, a follow would be much appreciated. We record live every Friday night at 8pm Eastern, midnight UTC. So come and join in on the fun. If you're listening to us on the podcast, please make sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use, and let us know if there's a format you want us to look into. And most importantly, tell your friends about the show. You're listening to the Black Sky Legion! Subscribe if you want! Who fucking cares? Goddamn right! Let's start off with the fact that Yoku's Island Express, I have no clue what it is, but literally as the theme song to start the show was playing, it popped up on the Epic Game Store and was like, you could get this game for free. So, I don't know. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's dog shit. Get it for free. I don't know. Whatever. That takes us to the Black Sky Legion segment. So, Black Sky Legion announcements right off the bat. We have our new show is starting this Sunday in two days. It's at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. UTC. It's going to be myself, Ben Moss Woodward from Lave Radio, Souverine from Sagai Magazine, and as I, as well as various guests, random, we're going to have like a pool of guests that will just be showing up. The plan is to have anywhere from two to four on any given week, people join in and it's going to be a discussion, an open discussion of all things geek and gaming and space and whatever else we fucking feel like. It's going to be, you know, talking about Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Nomansky. First off, I got to say, because somebody called it out, they're like, haha, Nomansky in the chat. I call it Nomansky. It's No Man's Sky. I respect the fuck out of this game and I love the people. It's just my own personal, like, inside shtick. 
joke thing. I call it Nomansky. I love this game, and you're going to hear about that later this episode. But we're going to talk about New World, the very awesome MMO. We're going to talk about, you know, uh, Marvel stuff and 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 Star Trek and Star Wars and, and, you know, Mandalorian. Anything that is just cool and geeky and nerd shit, we're going to talk about it. And the idea of this show is it's going to be... Not really sort of scripted and segmented like this show. It's going to be just random talk. It's going to be three or four people, uh, awesome dudes and lovely ladies that are just going to be talking off the dome on whatever we feel like. So, I mean, I hope it'll be fun and interesting for you. Check it out. And maybe you'll like it. Maybe you won't. Eh, nobody has to like stuff. Whatever. Um... So, yeah, that show starts this week, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 7 p.m. UTC. We're going to roll with it. In addition to that, we have, uh, let's see. No, absolutely. I see Rain typing in in the the internal chat saying, like, hey, I'll I'll come join you. You are welcome to. We'll we'll set it up. Um, Well, I'm. Remind me after the show, because I'm very drunk. Uh, I will add you to the cast for Zero Prep, which is the internal working title we have for the show. Because I think you would be an awesome person to come talk about random stuff. So, remind me. I can talk about random stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that takes me to the other projects segment of Black Sky Legion segment. Um, So, we're going to talk about a very, very cool game. Or, mm, interesting in, at the very, I haven't played it, so I shouldn't call it cool, but very interesting. It's called Icarus No Rescue. So uh, I'm going to start right off the bat by playing you a cool two videos. The first is a trailer that was the announcement trailer that, where they had actors to kind of give you the lore background of it. And it's going to roll right into the second trailer, which is a gameplay sort of thing from uh the whatever uh pc gamer where they show like actual gameplay footage because i think so i i love when companies say hey here's our lore stuff and they give you cool background and flavor text or flavor video or flavor whatever of the game i love and respect that but i also sometimes will see certain trailers and go Okay, that's nice. Now show me what it actually is going to be when I play it. So we've got both put together. And as soon as that's done playing, we're going to go through the panel and have people kind of give their thoughts and interesting ideas. And, and I know Jade's been playing it so on those special weekends. So we're going to get uh, a, an insider's view of what the game is actually like. Please to enjoy. Icarus was supposed to be a second Earth, some kind of paradise brought to you by the best scientific minds in the universe. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, wonder they called it Icarus. Big planet-sized dream that came crashing down. They had no idea what they were in for. No one did. I f***ed it up. Pure and simple. I've done a lot of crazy in my time, eh? But Icarus, (laughs) that was next level. If you couldn't find food, you died. If you couldn't find oxygen, you died. If you couldn't find shelter from the storms, you died. 
No. She was an engineer. Xeno engineer. She was sent with the team to terraform the place, so... Yeah, she was there when it all went to hell. The other guys, they left as soon as they could. But not Mo. That wasn't her style. She was there to make money. Like the rest of us. People died on Icarus all the time, you know? You just... tried not to think about it. What happened to her was no accident, no way. journey to Icarus was brutal. It was four light years from Earth, 30 trillion miles, and two years in long sleep. I mean, <laughs> talk about jet lag. <laughs> we were the first cohort. We were the first wave of cowboys. You know, it was a, it was a whole new planet. It was unreal. Then reality kicked in. Oh, they opened up Icarus to prospectors when all the terraforming went. So I signed on as soon as I could. She offered to drop with us. She wanted to show us around like, like was it her apartment or something? <laughs> well, I figure she just wanted to see how we do on the first drop. It was like going back in time and seeing the Earth a million years ago. The trees, the plants, the animals, they're from Earth. I mean, the bio team had adapted them after the terraforming went to but Jesus Christ, it does your head in at first. Outside the zone, it was different. People always think that we had a bunch of advanced tech up there, but we had nothing. We spent everything just trying to get there. We're like cave people in spacesuits, those first few drops. If we needed uh, shelter or tools or something, well, we had to make it ourselves. I barely made it back to the dropship alive that first time. Yeah, I got better, of course. I mean, Mo taught me some She taught me how to build shelters, find oxygen. But the best thing she taught me was you got to respect that planet, not to fear it. She was smart. I mean, cocky as hell, but look, she'd been part of the terraforming group, right? So she knew the planet inside and out. I mean, literally, right? She spoke about it all the time, you know, about the first time terraforming and wasn't going to work. And about finding the first exotics. I'm just saying. Doesn't it feel like a coincidence that they declared the planet uninhabitable just when they discovered the most valuable material in the universe? Weird, eh? Hey, I ain't complaining. I did okay out of it. It was the exotics that killed the terraforming. Screwed with the enzymes. Then again, they changed everything. I mean, without the exotics, there never would have been a first cohort. Because it was all about the exotics. You find them, you sell them back at the station, you get more gear, you go back down, find more, drop, survive, and repeat. On Icarus, um, a handful of exotics would get you uh, a new suit, uh, a radar, uh, a rifle. But on Earth, it would buy you anything you wanted. No, I talked about her, her mum and her brother all the time kind of life she could give them thanks to the exotic she'd found. She didn't stay because she needed the money. She'd made her money. She stayed because she loved it. We all did. It was addictive. She was addicted. The second you felt comfortable on the surface, you take your eye off the mission clock. And that's how people died. 
It happened all the time, eh? You know, people miss their window to get back to their ship, and then there was no way they'd get back to the station, and that was it. Never see them again. Going to die, that's for sure. The drop started off fine. None of us had ever been to that part of the planet before, not even Mo. Prospecting in unfamiliar areas, I, I hated it. But there was always more exotics and undiscovered areas, so none of us knew what to expect. Not back then, but Mo, she's like a moth to a flame. Didn't even notice she'd wandered off. If you're asking me if I feel guilty for what happened to her, I do. We looked for her as long as we could. But you know, there's a big storm coming and you don't hang about for those ever. A bear attack is my guess. The forests were full of them. I mean, anything could have happened. It wasn't an accident. Mo didn't come back because she didn't want to come back. She knew she couldn't go home, not after what had happened to that planet and the part she had played in it. Look, Mo didn't want to die. She... She was right where she wanted to be. Ma, John, how are you guys? You got a girlfriend yet, bro? <laughs> um, sorry, I haven't been in touch. My bad. Just want to say that I'm fine. Today is my last drop. I wish that maybe if the terraform we had worked, you could have been here. Not what people could have been here. <laughs> I miss you guys. Thank you. You know, I'll see you guys soon. This is Chris with PC Gamer, and I recently got to play Icarus, the survival game in development from Rocketworks, the studio founded by Daisy creator Dean Hall. Icarus takes place on an alien planet, with players traveling down from orbit to the planet's surface in order to acquire resources and bring them back up to their space station. In the clips you're about to see, Dean Hall tells me about the first chapter of Icarus called First Cohort where players will visit a forest biome searching for expensive materials to sell back up in space. Hall walks me through some of the early survival systems like gathering wood and stone, crafting weapons and hunting wildlife, and he explains why Rocketworks went with a handcrafted map rather than a procedurally generated one. We very much leaned in to that PVE side of things. You know, really being you against the planet. And I guess that's where the storm comes from. So storms on Icarus are, are are really dangerous. So we you know we have all the usual gathering mechanics. So as you're going along, you can definitely gather some stuff. This is a building that a tree fell on. 
So, you know, the damage mechanics are, are pretty brutal. Um, to save space in our dropship, we've taken the minimum amount with us and we're hoping to find our fortune. So every tree, every bush in this entire map is harvestable and let's say there's a lot. So if you walk up, these are all voxel rocks as well. So you're really just trying to iterate on that feeling of harvesting and make everything as satisfying as possible. So we're using very basic tools. Obviously, they can get a lot better over time. So whack the tree a little bit and make sure it doesn't fall over on anyone. Pretty good. And then chop it up. So we've actually gone through and made a handcrafted mat because we really just wanted to have you that real sense of exploration and everywhere being different. So, you know, we've come down onto this drop. There's different kinds of missions you can do, but in this case, we'd say, you know, come down to get this these exotics, these special materials that people have found. So Icarus First Cohort is our first release, and that is basically the prospectors going into the safest biomes. And over time, the biomes that get unlocked will be progressively more uh, dangerous. I'm going to judge you on your ability to hit this shot. Good job. Do you, you have a hunting knife? Oh, actually, no. So we'll carry this one back and we'll skin it at the bench. Oh, there's, there's a wolf. Deer. Yeah, there's a wolf hunting um, deer over there. You know, one of the challenges with procedural generation is once you visited one biome, you've kind of visited them all. And that's why by hand authoring the map, we really wanted to make it feel like you were actually exploring as, as we'd intended. And even like, see here, the animals, we've got this deer's got a little baby deer oh. beside it. We really tried to just make everything alive. They have their own like life cycle they go through. They'll go find water when they're thirsty. They'll go find food when they're hungry. Someone will cruelly kill that deer's child. So yeah, storms, uh, storms on Icarus are a savage. The animals will get freaked out by storms as well. And the most gentlest storms are actually in the forest biome. As you get to the other biomes, they get progressively worse. So yeah, we're fairly lucky. This is not too bad a storm. They get, um, they get pretty bad. And they can set the forest on fire, lightning, set your buildings on fire. Thanks for watching and check back with us soon. We'll have plenty more coverage of Icarus in the near future. All right, so that is Icarus No Rescue by Rocketworks. So they describe it as Icarus is a session-based PVE survival game for up to eight co-op players or solo. Explore a savage alien wilderness in the aftermath of a terrorist forming gone wrong. Survive long enough to mine exotic matter, then return to orbit to craft more advanced tech. Meet your deadline or be left behind forever. The game is scheduled to launch November 20th and pre-order purchasers are eligible for beta weekends that they're starting as of like a week ago. So like it's happening now. Eligible for beta weekends between now and uh, then testing the different areas. The official site link is in the show notes. It's surviveicarus.com. Official Icarus on Steam. You can wishlist it. Link is in the show notes.
Icarus on YouTube compilation page. Link is in the show notes. And the official Icarus uh, uh, Discord link is in the show notes. We just gave you... Again, I think it's very important that you not just sort of do the... Like... mm, How do I say it? Like, don't just show the... like. Like, it's very, very cool that a company is ballsy enough to do a story announcement trailer and they have professional actors acting out a story thing. That's awesome. I don't want to shit on that by any means. I want to salute that. That's showing me that you care about your story and you want to present it in an interesting way. Chef's kiss. I like that. But... You also need to show players gameplay footage. If you just show a group of prospective players only machinima or only actors or only whatever and zero gameplay, I feel like, just me personally, my opinion, you're only telling half the story and people are kind of like, well, what do I, do I get involved in this? Do I not? I don't. I don't know, because what's the game going to be like when I get to it? So, to me, I I wanted to highlight both aspects, and I did. I put together two trailers, and now I want to go down the cast and get everybody's feelings on this, because I feel like we've given a good, for, for prospective people who are in the chat, who are watching this video, who have never heard of Icarus before, I want you to see, A, a really good lore thing, and B, actual gameplay footage, and then C, hear from the the cast their opinions so that you can kind of, you know, decide for yourself. Hey, this looks good. This doesn't look good. Again, this is coming out in just a couple months, and pretty much every weekend now they're doing special weekends for people that pre-order that you get to check uh, desert biome, a forest biome, a swamp biome, a desert, uh, uh, ice biome, or whatever. So, let's go around the cast. Let's start with Roy. What did you think of all this? <laughs> um, well, let me start by saying I like this genre. I mean, I've I've played a lot of uh, Ark and uh, The Long Dark. Um, I played much less of Valheim and Seven Days to Die, but I've I've sort of got this smattering of understanding of the different mechanics, and I was sort of watching the um, the second video with more than the first, but and I do like the first setting up the sort of the headcanon and the lore that was cool. Um, but what I was looking for in the second video was what's differentiating this because um, there's there's a lot of competition in that space now, and so I was really trying to figure out. I like that they have, for example, the voxel rocks that was cool, and and the the tree fall. I think someone mentioned in the chat that. You know that some of the stuffs like um, Valheim, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'll be I'll be very interested to 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 hear from Jade who's played it because I'm not sure that I got out of that video um, really what the secret sauce is. It looks really it looks fun it looks fun mm-hmm. and I was trying to figure out given how how competitive that space is what's the little bit extra they're doing that's gonna maybe it's the countdown clock I don't know but what's the bit extra that's gonna make that even more fun if I had all those games to choose from. Right on. The things that to me seem super interesting are, number one, this is not a PvP situation. This is entirely PvE. You can either go on your own or go with a group of co-ops. And you're dropped in a specific biome with a specific time limit. And it's 
gather as much of the exotic resource as you can build up what you need to in that time it's a similar thing to seven days to die in where seven days to die it's a different it's like zombie horde is coming on the seventh day build up your defenses to protect against it this is different in that it's build up your defenses to survive for your x time limit explore to the point where you can find y exotic resource and make sure that you get back in time for the z time limit shuttle takeoff or you you know cool great you got a bunch of stuff and you got a cool house and you're dead because you missed the takeoff shuttle and it just kind of comes in wave after wave which is super interesting um you know what it just occurred to me i didn't get through the rest of the stuff i'm going to go through the rest of the stuff and then i will call on the rest of the people so we also have icarus the making of icarus episode one wood cutting simulator which is a very cool video in this video um it's a very frank message from the developer of the game discussing what goes into making a triple a survival game and lessons they learned he he is very open and honest about sort of like I think we failed on seven days to die in this, this, and this aspect. And so we learn from that and we're making this thing, which is like, wow, it's a very, it's, it's weird when you hear a, a game developer talking openly about like, here are things we learned, here are successes we had, here are failures we had. You never see that. And it's so I, one of the, and I respect the hell out of, star citizen because it's one of the few projects where you see them openly discuss their failures and this is a similar thing um katie why uh, so also wait sorry real quick in the show notes we have the official site for survive we have the site to wish list it on steam and we have the icarus youtube compilation page and the official game icarus discord so all of that will be there for you Check it out for yourself. See if it's something you're interested. Katie. Um, uh, the, the tech looks very good. And the 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 intro, the kind of lore building, um, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, it had very, it, it reminded me a lot of the, the opening sequence to District 9. Mm. You know, you got people kind of like recounting mm. a kind yeah. of like, you know, yeah. Um, I thought that was pretty good. It's not a genre I'm interested in. Like, I have no interest in playing this whatsoever. I just, it's it's tangentially space related, but it's like, it's just not like the survival genre as a whole. I played it when it was a new thing with like Daisy and games like that. And I, I, I think it looks very good. I think that people who like that genre will probably very much enjoy this game. And the tech is very cool. But um, yeah, for me personally, you know, it, it doesn't, doesn't hold a lot of interest. Okay. I, me personally, I found it interesting that. There was so much about this game that I loved. And the aspects that I loved about it were the ways that it were, was similar to Nomansky. In No Man's Sky, it's a massive amount of planets and it's survival, build a base, build whatever, whatever. So a lot of that was similar to Nomansky. Here's the one thing that took me out of it. You're telling me I'm flying to Alpha Centauri. I'm flying a couple light years away. And when I land, I'm going to be taking a piece of leather and tying a rock to a stick and making a hatchet. Like, wait, what? 
that's the one. But I get it. I get that it's the conceit of the game. But that's the one thing where it's like, wait, I'm flying. I'm flying at the speed of or close to the speed of light. And then when I get there, I'm using caveman equipment and building my way up. Like, you have to suspend a little disbelief. So I think some people will have a problem with that. Other people will be like, no, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm buying into the concept. I'm good with starting with a stick tied with a piece of leather to a, a, a rock. But I know that I'm going to eventually work my way up to pew, pew, space lasers. Like, okay, whatever. Um, Lady Rain. Your thoughts on all this? Yeah, uh, Dean knows his stuff. Rocketworks has been developing games since 2016. Um, I would argue, you know, it, you know, when they mentioned Seven Days to Die, I mean, that's the 40th out of 40,000 games on Steam. Seven Days to Die right mm -hmm. now is the 40th most played game on Steam. And in, you know, the top 20, we have Ark Survival Evolved. So survival games are really popular and they're they're getting played and i like katie said i like the tech i like the storytelling um but i don't see anything that's gonna stop me from playing fallout 4 on survival or the long dark which has no gimmicks and it's just pure hardcore survival or mm. you know again seven days to die which lets me have that minecraftian experience and um all that kind of good stuff so looks cool i'm not interested i wish i was Okay. I mean, it's I, here's the thing. We put it out there. It's a flavor that a lot of people will like. A lot of people won't. That's there's no shame in that game. You you play what you like, but because it is a it, it is a survival game, but it's a space survival game. I kind of really wanted to cover it. And now, bringing up the rear, I saved you for last because you were the one of us that has actual experience in the game. Jade, I want you to do me a favor, and as much as we all talked about it, I want you to take twice as long and tell us your actual experiences and thoughts as a player of the game. Okay. So I came into this having never played a survival game other than um, No Man's Sky. I almost said No Man's Sky. <laughs> no Man's Sky on survival mode. I did that a couple of times, but I wanted to get back to my game save, so I didn't spend a lot of time at it. So... That's where I'm going to come from with this. Those of you who've played other more fleshed out survival games, I can totally understand what, where you're coming from because um, this, you know, is, is probably nothing special compared to the, the names I've heard that I heard are really popular. Um, but it is a space survival game and I'm drawn to space games. And it is a lot of fun. Uh, I jumped in with like, five, six other people uh, as part of the Soul Citizens. And we were we were playing it last weekend when they went live. Um and it it's it's pretty amazing. And you basically um descend onto the planet in a capsule and then you, you get out and you have to, you know, go and find resources. It's like any other survival game I assume. And then, you know, craft things. Um what impressed me was, for instance, you have to get protection from storms. And I tried something that, you know, works in No Man's Sky, but I wasn't sure if it would work in this game, was um, hollowing out a big rock so that you had some kind of shelter. And it, it actually worked. Like, fist to face is like, you think that's going to work? And I'm like, I don't know. 
dude for science, right? Um, so that actually worked. Um, there's a, an attention to detail with the the whole voxel system that they've built, where you can, um, you know, manipulate your environment and you know cut down trees and all that. So that's all of the good. It's a it's a fun game. Um, it is PVE, so you know if if you're more PVE oriented and you'd like to just be able to jump into something really quick with friends, it's it's not bad at all. It's 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 kind of addicting to be honest. But then again, that's me. I don't I don't know if I'd have played those other games if this would have the same appeal. Okay, so that's the good. Mm-hmm. On the bad side. There's a few more things. You made a great point, Kai, about the suspension of disbelief with regards to you've traveled four light years and, and now you're starting out like a caveman. I was willing, though, to, to accept that premise. The thing with suspension of disbelief is the more that you are asked to do it, the harder it becomes to do. So we're on this planet where we're running out of oxygen, but we're encountering bears, deer, higher uh wolves higher you know complex life that looks exactly like its earth counterpart and we're in a forest presumably photosynthesizing providing oxygen so why are we running out of it if they wanted to really do this as a quote space survival game they should have made the planet more alien and the creatures more alien um because then there's less you have to suspend disbelief on it makes no sense whatsoever that you're you're running out of oxygen but you know a bear which consumes a lot of oxygen right um doesn't right so i'd hope that they change those creatures before it's released and Mm. maybe make the planet look a bit more alien i mean okay and on that note they put a big gas giant in the sky one of the first things i noticed as an astronomer i'm looking at the sky right i see a big gas giant and i see another um thing that looks like a, a moon and i'm assuming okay it's a moon. I'm even watching like the, the motion of it during the day night cycle. And I'm like, we're a moon of that gas giant. It's like, it's, it's like we're avatar or something. Right. Um, yeah. So like, then I watched the trailer after having already played and they're all calling it a planet. And so I'm like, okay, so there's some holes in their lore that they're going to have to tighten up, I think. But other than that, it's a fun game. Yeah. That actually, that makes a very, very good point when you think about it. It's like, yeah, how does that work? Yeah. Um, and the aspect of how does it work with regard to it says limited time, like so it's it's a session or, or whatever. It's a limited time until your capsule takes back off, but it's a co-op whatever. Is it that it's for one game session? Like when you load in with like you and fist-to-face and pops and griff – can you say like, oh, I want to be six hours or eight hours, or does it tell you you have this much playtime and then you have to get out? That's an interesting question. Um, so when we first, you know, all jumped in, um, it was assumed we just kind of assumed, you know, Griff had had started his session first, and we all joined on him, and we we just assumed, okay, we you know we need Griff to be here, but then. I and Fistaface jumped in on our own, um, and we we saw that we spawned in right where we had, you know, been when we logged out. Um, and you can do that before you have like the the logout bed. Um, but yeah, it it didn't seem like the timer 
or any of that was, I don't know. It, it didn't affect our gameplay. We we have yet to see a capsule take off. Oh, so okay. we're still within that time, I assume. Hmm. Um, I think we're going to probably play again tomorrow. I know we're playing Star Citizen tonight, by the way. Anybody who wants to join Soul Citizens playing with us tonight, please do so. Join the Discord. There's going to be a bunch of us in there playing after this show. Um, but yeah, like, I think we have yet to encounter that time limit. So they give you a generous amount of time to build up your um, skills. You know, you do have to, like, I guess a lot of games, you have to build up your skills. Mm -hmm. You have to kind of like level up so you can get the next lever, uh, layer on the tech tree hmm. and all of that. But we've yet to encounter the, um, the capsules taking off. Oh, so by the way, if a capsule comes in, it can land on you. It can, it can actually, like one almost came down on one of us. So watch the skies if you have somebody joining you not only does if it comes down on you if it comes down even close to you you'll die from the like you know rocket flames of it yep. coming down like yeah so mm -hmm. i definitely got from the one trailer that it's like the point is you get through this evolution you go back up you spend your accumulated resource of whatever fucking quantanium or whatever the rareness anium and then you use that to get upgraded tech and and weapons and tools and whatnot and then you come back for the next round so i would be very interested to see once you guys get through this evolution and get back up and are able to spend your you know weird anium to get the next stuffs how the second evolution plays out um so yeah we'll 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 definitely keep up and look into that it at the very least it looks interesting and we have to see how it plays out uh rain you have a point yeah um just to back jade up real quick uh the, i think the reason why i'm not impressed by this is we have something much more closer to home and the idea of sending people to settle 140 million miles away on Mars is going to take multiple years. Um, launches with rovers, reconnaissance, mm -hmm. uh, coming up with landing zones, having rovers that are launched and advanced to um, remotely build the settlement before the settlers even get there. Um, and if we're talking about space survival, like space is beautiful and it's dangerous and it's gorgeous in and of any additional weird gimmicks that we're throwing on it. And as somebody that worked on Kerbal Space Program and, and talked with, you know, had a lot of good times talking with JPL and working with people from NASA and things like that, like, I just, I, do, I don't get why they went this direction. I don't want to bag on it. Dean Hall, Rocketworks, good team, good group. They know what they're doing, but I'm just really confused why they went this route with it is, is kind of my thing there. I think they're writing the tale of the whole, uh, you know, it's the Avatar, Pandora, where you go and you get the unobtainium. Yeah, yeah. It's like, we're going here for this crazy resource. But also, I like the idea. I do like the idea of, like, we're going to terraform X planet. Oh, shit, it didn't work. Now what? Like, that's interesting. I, I don't understand how you have forests full of trees that you can chop down, but no oxygen. Like, if you have the thing that will sustain the life of a plant to get it to grow high enough that it's an 80 foot tall redwood. Seems to me like that means you've got carbon dioxide in the atmosphere with the right sort of levels of nitrogen that you can create oxygen. But like, I mean, I'm an idiot. I'm a Marine in my underwear. What do I know? 
Roy, you're up. Yeah, it's just a couple of quick random things. I mean, to solve for what you just spoke of, I'm reminded of the indie movie Prospect with Pedro Pascal. I don't know if you've seen it, but mm-hmm. it's a, um, you know, they're prospecting a planet. And I don't want to give too much of it away. If you haven't seen it, you need to go see it. Netflix. It's an awesome movie. Uh, totally. Um, but the thing, the, 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 the mechanism they use is there's uh it's like allergens in the air like mm-hmm. are we are you'll basically go into anaphylactic shock if you take your helmet off so you're not you're not so much as on an oxygen tank as you are as like kind of like a filter that runs out uh after a while mm-hmm. so that's how they time it but still have a lush uh ecosystem with giant trees and yeah. animals and stuff like that that's how they get around that and that's scientifically believable but um, wait wait so you're saying that like the squirrels and the and the and the bears and the deer they don't have that same allergen because they're native to the planet okay okay I that, that's the idea right so you're basically allergic to the planet is, is the is the premise mm. um or incompatible biologically incompatible with it to some degree okay um so maybe that's maybe that's a workaround i don't know the thing i was thinking of too is so two, two other quick things. One, maybe the timer changes as you get into the different biomes. Mm. Maybe that's how that works. Because I got the gist from the video that <laughs> this is sort of like the, the bunny slope biome that you land in first. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't know. The thing, I, and this is maybe from the, the long dark uh, enthusiasts coming out, but I would love to be able to have like a mode where I'm intentionally missing that ship because I've gotten so good at this. I'm going to, it's almost like an Iron Man, some kind of Iron Man mode where I'm, I'm going to resist whatever comes after that ship takes off and there'll be some reward for that. But like, doesn't that mean you just, you're dead. It never comes back and you're dead. Well, if people are coming back time after time, then you're going to catch the next one, right? No, well, and I mean, you you, yeah, I mean, if you, like, so, like, oh, then you're in a weird sort of uh, the Martian weird an experience where it's like the next yeah. one is coming down in a different location. And you have to find a way to trek over. Maybe it just it just oh. seemed to me like it's like a huge challenge. And yes, it's it's a great challenge to get to the ship and get out. But wow, could couldn't it be like a whole next level thing if like I'm intentionally going to miss that ship because I've you know, I'm prepared. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. All right, we're going to go with Katie, and then we're moving on to Star Citizen Weekly. Yeah, just to, I mean, to mirror what Roy said, really, you, I mean, you could go even simpler than that and just change the, the composition of the atmosphere. Just have, rather than oxygen deficiency, carbon dioxide toxicity. You know, just increase the mm-hmm. amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere to a toxic mm. level and just say the local life has, has adapted to it. Um, oh, so regarding the, the comments about um, why not do something like um, settling Mars, that would be really cool. I think that would be really good. But you can't have beers then, you know. You can't kind of. And there are there is a certain there are certain other space games that lean heavily on it. No, it's got to be hundred percent realistic. It's got to be you know geologically accurate. And well, sometimes some people just want a cool adventure. You know, just give me a cool adventure. Like I don't mind if it's not hundred percent accurate. Just make it a cool adventure. Katie, how dare you talk shit on Space Invaders that way? <laughs> I have you know that Galaga was a great game! That takes us to... Star Citizen News. Wow, I literally programmed that, the, all of the transitions during the last video while very very drunk and i'm surprised it worked out so well done super yeah salute to me i'm good katie how about you take it away 
Um, so obviously this weekend, the big news story really still is that Xenothrite is ongoing until Sunday, I believe. Um, so if you have not yet contributed or taken part in that event, or you just like to continue taking part in it, it will still be ongoing. Uh, I would highly recommend it. I have some minor criticisms about it as opposed to the Ninetales event um, that we can talk about later on. Um, but it is a really, really great, um, really interesting uh, event. Um, and uh, I would highly recommend um, giving it a go if you haven't already. Um, moving on to the news from CIG this week. We have had a monthly report for August, um, which covers a range of work carried out uh, in Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Um, AI worker behavior has been added as part of the level design. So this is refining usables like sitting, leaning, inspecting, and cooking to work with the worker behavior. Um, NPC's reaction system has been uh, improved, allowing NPCs to break activity and respond to changes in the environment. Things like if they hear a gunshot, for example, they can stop typing on their computer and react to that. The dealer behavior uh, for the mobile vendor, um, called a dealer, has been added. Um, this is a, a mobile NPC that players can interact with to, to, to trade with. Um, not not sure exactly what like how mobile they are. Um, yeah, we don't have details on that, but um, certainly interesting. And AA content for Pyro's themes of sickness, greed, and poverty were added. Um, very colourful. Um, AI features, uh, combat scenarios mainly, uh, adding visual perception, uh, field of view to NPCs to accommodate stealth mechanics. Um, so there will be some stealth gameplay coming up soon. Uh, the NPC cover system has been improved to a better selecting of cover uh, during firefights by NPCs. Um, AI technology, the Pathfinder, this one has really, really uh, got me interested. Pathfinder system has been improved to work with planetary navigation mesh tiles, allowing NPCs to move from one planetary location to another. And work also began on automatically generating planetary nav mesh. So this could be the first steps in having... NPCs, NPC encounters on the surface of planets rather than just in bunkers and, you know, shipwrecks and things like that. Mm. Um, that would, you know, a, that's a major one for me because I, my, my favorite part of the game really is the, the FPS uh, combat stuff. Mm -hmm. um, a feature allowing players to lead a formation of AI ships was added for Squadron 42, but it is said that it should be available in the PU in future as well. I... I... And, I very much like the idea. So two things. Number one, with regard to the the trader, the 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 dealer, which sounds so sketch, but like <laughs> the way they explained it, they said was you could get one-handed items from the dealer. If you needed a two-handed item, he would uh, or they would direct you to their store nearby. They have like a permanent store. I don't under if you own a store. Why would you be standing like a Tavarin on the like on the corner with the trench coat? I mean, like, yeah. hey, want to <laughs> buy a one-handed gun? I got, I got you. Oh, you want a bazooka? No, no, go to my store. It's just down the street. I very much like the idea of you gain a certain amount of rep with, say, you know, X mission giver in Hurston or Y in Crusader or whatever, and they're like, you need to go do this mission. You're, we're going to give you three, you know, a flight of three, uh, you know, Gladius, and you're going to be leading the squadron 
in your, you know, whatever, Gladius or Connie or whatever, they're going to follow your instructions and, like, go do this mission. And they, like, defend you. And basically, they act as NPCs that, you know, follow your instructions. You can direct, like, you know, attack here, t defend there, whatever. And that would be very cool. Take it away, Katie. I'm kind of on the fence about that one, by the way. I don't know, because I think that it would once again de-incentivize kind of cooperative play a little. Sure. Maybe. But but I'm um, I'm not talking about it being a regular thing. I'm saying a very specific mission of once you get yeah. to a certain rep, like have a very tailored sort of specific challenge to do. Yeah. I don't know. Um so the collision avoidance system uh, was improved as well for AI pathing. Um, in the in the animation team, uh, vendors for illegal goods, food, and drink were worked on. Uh, the medical behavior, obviously, for the upcoming patch uh, was worked on. Um, cowering and surrender behaviors. Um, this is an interesting one. I don't think we've, we've heard much about this in terms of the actual character animation for that. Um, mm. And a, a mocap shoot for the hygiene cubicle, hacking navigation, arcade machines, and unwell seating, uh, as well as additional vendors, um, were added. So two things um, come to mind there. The first is mm -hmm. it's very interesting, the cowering and the whatever. So basically, if you, because they have talked about this obliquely with regard to other me mechanisms. So basically, imagine this, Katie. You ram uh whatever a hammerhead that you've 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 taken out the engines now you ram it or an idris or whatever and now you have a mission right to go in and or or like the 890 jump mission where there are people in the 890 jump mission there's like terrorists and then there's hostages and you go in and when you do let's say there are eight terrorists or 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 tangos whatever on enemies on the other ship right let's say three of those enemies are hardcore die hard they're not going down without being in a bag three of those are good general area sort of soldiers that they're going to follow along with the instructions they were given so so long as they have the upper hand and they have a sort of in their mind clear path to victory they're going to be of high morale and they're going to sort of fight, you know, until they're overwhelmingly sort of in a position of untenable outcome, in which case they're going to surrender. But two of those, and I'm thinking of specifically, if you remember from season whatever of The Expanse where Bobby Draper, Bobby Draper, Bobby, yeah, Bobby, yeah, Bobby is, <laughs> is, she goes on, on Mao's ship and there's that one tech who's he's like, ah, just don't shoot me, whatever. Just just hit me and then let whatever. <laughs> there could be some guys like that where they're like, I'm not really a, a, a member of this cause. I'm not a martyr to this cause. I'm just here for the paycheck. Or even I am a prisoner that was gangplanked into working here. I'm not on this cause. And the second someone with a gun comes in the area, I'm going to be like, no, I'm out. I give up, whatever. I personally had that same situation in Iraq where you've got guys that are literally like, I give up, uh, me and my 19 friends surrender. And you're like, uh, I was just take, trying to take a piss 
on this side of the fucking burb. <laughs> and they're still surrendering to you because they just do not want to be a part of whatever's going down. That's a very real thing that happens in life. Yeah, it's going to be very cool to see in-game, certainly. Um, the hygiene cubicle as well. Animations for that. So does that mean hygiene gameplay is, is coming uh, in the near future? I mean, it's one of those deals where, you know, uh, uh, you know, we aim to please. And if should you fail to aim, <laughs> you know, don't be a dick. Take a paper towel and wipe up the floor. No. Uh, yeah. No, no. But I, um, to me personally, I'm much more interested in the hacking part of that. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I don't want to get, you know, too hung up on it, but I, I kind of like the hacking as it is right now. So, I, I mean, I'd be interested to see where they go with it. I think that the current system is like, it's not super involved, but it is incredibly tense. Oh, you, you know? didn't? And I think that. You haven't seen the stuff that they've. No, I've not seen any. any oh uh, my god! <laughs> they've shown some cool stuff in Inside Star Citizen or whatever, where they they show it's this weird. I, there's a game. It's not Netrunner. I forget the name of it. There's a weird. It's this weird schematic thing, and there's a very cool looking mini game that goes with it, where it mm. reminds me when they first said they were going to have hacking in uh, Elite Dangerous Odyssey. I was like, oh, this is going to be great, and then yeah, but uh, like. I am super excited for the hacking because they've already shown off little snippets of how it works. And you see this like schematic and you follow along and there's a cool mini game for it. I'm excited. Okay. Interesting. I will have to look that up after the show, certainly. Mm. Um, so character art. Um, there is a replacement apparently coming for the Pembroke armor, the heat mm -hmm. resistant armor uh, in the game that's being replaced. I pray New to God. I, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I pray to God that that's not that's a miswording. It's not a replacement. It's in addition to because I would, would love be, to yeah. see the Pembroke and the Nabokov or Nabokov or whatever stay there. But then yeah. the new one that they showed that Jay, what's his name? The the Asian kid that has that great shtick where he goes back and forth with uh, Jared, where they like give each other shit constantly. He's a brilliant uh, uh Art, artist designer, artist Jay developer, Lee. Jay Lee, Jay Lee, Jared Lee. Nope, not Jared. Jared is Disco Lando. Jay Lee, whatever. <laughs> he is like, I, I love that guy. He's the same guy that did just last week. They did that where they were like on Friday, they were like, hey, we're going to like concept art a, a gang in Pyro. And like a month or two back, he did the one where it was that weird like uh, sloth alien creature, whatever. It was like a month ago. Yeah. Um, I love that guy. He's very, very cool. But the the idea of this new, they've shown us concept art of this new mesh fabric hot suit that's like super, super, very, very cool. Um, very, just, just, yeah, Jeremiah. I'm very, very, Jeremiah Lee. Very, very excited. Love that guy's work. Love the the stuff that they're showing with this special suit. Yeah, it's exciting. It's very exciting. Um, in addition with suits, um, new backpacks, including Clark Defense Systems brand and one on Doomsday, as well as a rework for existing backpacks, making them modular. Um, it says from 3.15, one each new armor will come with a backpack in the same style and will be modular, so you can add it or remove it. Um, does that mean that previous armors will also be rejigged to have a, uh, a backpack included? Not, that, when they say new armor, do they mean just every armor coming? So, A, 
A, not explicitly it doesn't mean that, but if you follow along with the way Star Citizen has done their development thus far, yeah, normally when you add a new thing, then you bring all the other stuff up to gold standard eventually. Um, with regard to ship art, a yet-to-be-announced <clears throat> ship was completed. Um, the Redeemer is approaching the final art completion. Work commenced on the Misk Hull A's, one of the, the, the cargo ships, I believe, uh, close to being white box complete. Two more unannounced vehicles continued progress through the pipeline. They're both around the grey box stage. Refueling work on the Misk Starfarer was carried out with the refueling arm now complete. Uh, the Crusader A2, um, this is like the super expensive version of the, 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 the Starlifter. It's the bomber passed, version. The bomber version, exactly, yeah. Past final art review. The Crusader Ares uh, moved through the final art phase, and we'll have more on that later. Mm-hmm. Um, the Drake Vulture is nearing Greybox complete in many of its areas. And an all-new vehicle is almost grey box complete. There's a few in there that they weren't there weren't many details on in, in the report. Um, I don't know if anyone knows anything more than than what is indicated there or these or these surprises to be revealed at um, CitizenCon. That is exactly what those are. You have <laughs> you have one confirmed out of grey box in final art pass, two approaching mid grey box, and one in gray box when you put those together there is potentially now this isn't you know this is not for sure this is speculation but we know we've got both aries the inferno and the ion and we've got the a2 that we will be getting presumably before sitcom so those are 3.15 which we assume not confirmed, but assume potentially very much so, wink, wink, before SidCon. We've got four separate ships, one that is in the final art pass, two that are nearing completion of Great Box, and one that is in Great Box. All four of those could potentially be in the realm of SidCon. Uh, Vulture is like nearing end of gray box and you know whatever that could potentially be done before uh sitcom star fair the one with the the one that has the 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 hair straighteners on the back could very much is in final art very much is looking for in sitcom and me personally, I, I, uh, my, I still have my personal suspicion that we're going to have an anvil subcap cap, you know, either Corvette or cap, an, a capital level or mini cap anvil ship that's going to be a surprise announcement for Sitcom. There's so many possibilities. Not There's no way all of them are going to happen. That's too many ships, but... The point that I'm making is you've got like eight potential, including the 400i, 100% potential uh, announcements for Sitcon. It, it's um, um, excited. Yeah, totally. Um, so with the audio team, Orison Ambience has been improved with spot effects and new voiceovers and music. 
uh, Grim Hex Hospital, which is upcoming. Uh, voiceover, voiceovers were recorded. The Mother of All Bombs mechanism. This is the size 10, I believe, bombs that go with the A2 that we just mentioned. Um, the mechanism and explosion effects were added, so that's very exciting. And uh, one that Clive will be happy with, hacking system sound effects were also worked on. Yes. Um, there was also a Squadron 42 update um, with uh, work on in the animation team on Zero-G Traversal, uh, Vandal Combat, Medical Gun Soft Healing, and some various story scenes, animations for the new head, head models, um, and there is a planned upcoming Vandal mocap shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, character heads were polished and crew outfits and uniforms also received some work. Um, the Archon station uh, was worked on, among other things, by the environment team. Uh, various cinematic sequences were worked on. Um, the engine updates, uh, I'm not going to pretend I know what any of this stuff means. So I'm just, I'm just going to read the bullet points and you guys can check out the full report uh, in the show notes. Physical quantum travel, um, performance improvements, uh, implementing the Gen 12 renderer, um, work on atmospheric and volumetric clouds, allowing ray marching at lower resolutions to improve GPU performance. Cloud shading was improved, and the cloud edges were worked on to give more volumetric feel. Low engine optimizations. Uh, Rain, I believe you have something to add to that. Oh, uh, that was earlier. I was just seeing you were with everybody talking about Star CitizenCon. Um, for those of you that this is your first one, you are not prepared. <laughs> oh, I'm certainly not. But uh, it will be an experience, that's for sure. It's my first CitizenCon. Um, and it's going to be a blast. Still, I'm still very, very unsure of like what, what, what CitizenCon actually entails. <laughs> but I'm sure it will be an experience, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, there were some improvements to the scripting setup to the checkpoint tool, uh, additional functionality to the object container streaming. Um, in terms of the gameplay and story, the helmet attachment method was updated with various, various improvements to scenes. And the render to texture system made some progress. So this is rendering a scene to a texture in 3D graphics. Uh, Gen 12 work, uh, adding refraction into the GPU particle system and work on the upcoming fire hazard system. Additional work was also carried out in the narrative, QA, and VFX teams as well, um, which you can read about in the full report in the show notes. Beautiful. So moving on to the uh, community uh, streams and videos, um, we have Get Rich or Die Trier, which is September the 3rd. This is core gameplay dev and now newly minted Squadron 42 FPS game director, Rich Tyler, discusses Star Citizen and Squadron 42 development, as well as upcoming changes to the release structure. And Kai, I believe you have something to add on this. Sure. So Richard Tyrer, amazing developer of the feature team, is now assembling, or, you know, moved up to his new position. And he said very clearly in the, it's an hour long, phenomenal conversation with him and Jared. It doesn't change. He's still doing the feature team stuff. He's just now sort of the designated owner of that aspect of Squadron 42. And it was very, very cool because what struck me among all of the other stuff, and again, it's an hour-long conversation. I can't sum it all up. But one thing that I think is very, very interesting is he talked about they want to sort of change the nature of how they develop new tech into the project, Squadron 42 and Star Citizen. So 
for example, just one example off the top of my head, you know, they introduced body tracking forever ago, but there wasn't really a point to it until in 3.15. It's going to be the first time that body dragging actually sort of has a point as they start to introduce the medical gameplay. They introduced, you know, trolleys, you know, a patch or so ago. Didn't really have a point until you're going to have some trolley gameplay with regard to gurneys and whatnot for medical stuff. And much more so in 3.16 and 3.17 even more. You're going to have sort of trolley and carts and all of those, that aspect of play, that mechanism be important in the game loop of loading cargo onto ships in 3.17 specifically we're going to have special hangers and when you show up and you go and you say i want to buy all of your whatever i'm gonna i want to buy your had night and i'm gonna sell it i'm gonna delaronite whatever i'm gonna send it to this location and i'm gonna sell it it's not gonna just be poof it magically appears in your ship it's gonna appear in a special cargo elevator which you then take to your hangar and you load the carts onto your ship there's going to be an aspect of that so what he was talking about is they want to try to get better at not saying here's a mechanism we'll come back to you in a year with the purpose for it they kind of want to put those closer together so that when people get stuff like body dragging they're like we're excited because it has a point when you get stuff like trolleys you're excited because it has a point as it stands right now let's be honest trolleys are a good way to murder people because if there's a trolley nearby and you put something on it you stand back and wait a few seconds and watch it shake around until it murders everyone in a 50-foot vicinity the idea is a obviously make trolleys not murder machines and b make trolleys have a point so that that's kind of what that a lot of that discussion was about i highly highly recommend i know that it just came out literally today but it's the weekend it's the freaking weekend baby and you've got time to watch so go back and check it out link is in the show notes it's a very cool conversation back to you katie we also had inside star citizen ship trip summer 2021 on september 2nd John Crew comes in for a throwback ship shaped styly chat. Uh, it talks about the Drake Vulture that is finishing at White Box and moving on to Grey Box. You'll see it coming online sometime next year, along with the first version of Ship Based Salvage. Good news for uh, Reclaimer owners, I think. Um, the Aries, Ion, and Inferno are completing Grey Box and moving into Final Art Pass. Uh, those are some incredible uh, anti capital ship. Uh, fighters, essentially heavy fighters with an anti-capital ship focus, a very large size 7 weapon on those. Um, I believe we have uh, an asset to show you, just to give you an idea of what these ships are about. Mm -hmm. And we will get to that after this part. Uh, the Gladius was mostly gold standard in 3.14, but will be completely gold standard in 3.15, as will the Sabre. Expect to hear more at Sitcon. Uh, the Aegis Redeemer is completing final art pass and entering release prep phase. And the sprint report from Jared, three new laser-based weapon concepts, SMG, LMG, and long gun. Uh, they showed off the EU-PU feature team's progress on laser trip mines. Uh, very exciting. 
Uh, three new locations coming to Orison in 3.151. Uh, Cousin Crows being one of them. Got a little show off. Uh, this location will eventually allow for my location of paint jobs so I can finally have purple camouflage on every ship. Um, components and room modules, uh, as in the modular caterpillar. Um, another location getting upgraded is Crusader Showroom. Showed off lighting in the barracks of various cities in Stanton. And Levski, uh, with a pointed shout out, come back to us, Levski. That was, that was literally the words of Jared Disco Lando in the thing. He's like, come back to us, Levski. I don't think they let him say that and they don't edit it out unless they know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that's us saying, Levski's coming back soon, Stanton, or uh, Pyro, and Nick soon, TM. Um, there was a glass window shader for buildings. Uh, the UI tech team shows off the self-service hospital services. Again, coming next patch. Very exciting to see the hospitals coming into the game. Um, as well, they showed off robotic limb variant concepts. Mm-hmm. Robotic limbs. Like, that is certainly a very interesting uh, concept. Very, very cool. They showed off they showed off like a dozen variants of robotic arms and legs, as well as what the robotic arms and legs would look like in, you know, uh short sleeve shirts or or like how it looks like in pants with the boots and what like can you see it? Can you not? Very, very interesting stuff all of it i want to real quick highlight uh asset seven that we had just so people uh you know sort of see it um this is the this week in star citizen schedule and it points to it pointed to the stuff that was you know the monthly report the squadron 42 report the inside star citizen the star citizen live from today and it also points to all this weekend xeno threat returns baby all right let's get to the community videos katie you ready for me to show off some crusaders aries what you and i are getting i am very very excited for you to show this stuff yeah as as you say i've got the inferno you've got the ion together we will be a dream team when it comes to taking down big capital ships and sub capital ships in star citizen um so here we go yeah this is going to be the uh, aries inferno and ion please do enjoy In conjunction with Bering, we are currently crafting the most devastating size 7 mountable ship cannon ever devised. The SF-7, being prototyped in both ballistic and laser configurations, is specifically designed to incapacitate capital-class vessels. Of course, with a weapon so refined, the task at hand is to try and design an equally sophisticated ship to wield it. Even with this prototype, Crusader is up to the task. Chris Roberts, shut up and take my money. <sighs> it's really, it really is something, isn't it? It really, really is. And um, to give you an idea of what that ship is designed to combat, um, we're going to show another asset now, 
the the Aegis Hammerhead commercial. Uh, and this is like barring special events, this is really the, the kind of target ship uh, for the Ares class of heavy fighter. Everyone enjoys stories about daring naval pilots flying for our freedom and battle-hardened captains leading the charge. But for every Cal Mason and Admiral Bishop out there blowing things up, there are dozens of unsung heroes who are just as worthy of our praise and admiration. And today, here at Conrad Naval Station, Galactic Tour is going to sing an unsung song. Meet Gunner's mate, Alfonso Lang, a master craftsman in his own right. Starman Lang is in charge of lovingly caring for the deadly armament aboard the UEES Thresher. Every day, well, every day they're not getting shot at, Alfonso EVAs across the entirety of this 100-metre-long Aegis Hammerhead to visually inspect the dozens of guns and missile launchers that make this patrol ship such a formidable foe. Optics, targeting systems, mount connections, head threading, even lubrication levels all must be checked, rechecked and meticulously maintained. Basically, all the worst parts of operating really big and powerful guns. It's like if you wanted an elephant for a pet, Alfonso would be the guy go, yeah, that's great, but what the hell are you going to feed it? With the aid of advanced diagnostic tools, each of the turrets must be correctly calibrated so that when the gunners fire at a swift-moving target, say a squad of fighters or an incoming torpedo, they actually shoot it down instead of the gun jamming and blowing up in their face. If the Aegis Hammerhead is a sleek shark patrolling the dangerous waters, then Alfonso is the remora stuck to its armoured belly, making sure this dangerous predator stays that way. And I, for one, am damn glad to know he's there. Starman Lang, we here at Galactic Tour salute you. Oh, Space Jeremy Clarkson, you're so much less troublesome than the real one. Katie, how about I bring up this image and you can talk a little bit about the awesome sort of size disparities of the various capital class ships that we have thus far in Star Citizen. It has been quite a revelation to me personally with, with Xenothrope recently seeing the uh, the Javelin, for example, <laughs> which even in that image looks incredibly small compared to uh, the Retribution there. Um, the, the, the Javelin makes even what I consider to be extremely large ships, like the 890 Jump, the Carrack, uh, even the, I mean, even the Idris, um, look very small in comparison. So it has been a revelation for me this week to see even larger ships up close. Um, but to give you, to give anyone who's more familiar with Elite Dangerous an idea of the scale here, the uh, the 890 Jump that you can see in the uh, the lower left of the image there, that is about the size of a Anaconda in um, Elite Dangerous, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, approximately about the same size. So the the, the ships and the, the, the flyable ships at that um, scale in Star Citizen is really quite something. It looks like you could put about 10. Look at, okay, 
in the very center, second row from the bottom, look at the cutlass. It looks like you could put like <laughs> you could put like ten thousand of them inside of that retribution. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> that that cutlass looks like an ant compared to Shaquille O'Neal next to the retribution. It's 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 crazy. All right, Katie, let's round up the uh, community stuff for Star Citizen. So we had a video from uh, Super Mac Brother, which featured blind quantum travel gems, uh, Gen 12, uh, Gen 12 Vendra, NPCs, Planet Side, and Spider Miners, as well as the Squadron 42 update. Um, that link will be included in the show notes. I highly recommend uh, giving it a, a watch because uh, it's very interesting stuff. Um, Finally, for the community stuff, we have the Urkel DPS calculator. This is, um, if you've been you know, familiar with Elite Dangerous, it's basically Star Citizen's equivalent to Coriolis or, um, or EDSM um, in that you can set up ships, uh, you know, t- put different components in, see what the, how they affect the stats. Um, you can see where you can purchase the components, which is very important as in, in Star Citizen. Obviously, not everything is purchasable. At one location, you need to move around different places. Um, so this will let you know where things are available, how they affect your ship's performance, how much they cost, um, and you can you can save ship loadouts, you can share ship loadouts. Uh, it's one of the most useful utilities available um, for Star Citizen when it comes to um, trying out different ship loadouts um, and seeing what works for you. Um, the link is in the show notes. Um, there is, uh, it's it's really kind of intuitive, actually. Uh, when I started using it, it was immediately kind of um, familiar, coming from something like um, Coriolis in Elite Dangerous to this. Felt, felt very intuitive. Um, but it, you can just enter your ship. There's a little drop down in the uh, the top left, I believe, if you're looking at the the main screen. A little drop down. You just select whatever ship you want to outfit, and then you've got all of the components and weapons listed in the center and right side of the screen and just like with coriolis you have the little power triangle so you can sort of adjust the 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 settings and see okay what would be yeah. your what you would be your different characteristics of of all of that i want to call out i want to clarify this for the record because there's a lot of confusion where some people are like is it urkel is it dps what's dps and what's urkel they're the same thing. Some people call it Urkel. Some people call it the DPS calculator. If you go to the website, it says DPS calculator. But the actual, what is it? HTTP fucking link thing. The link, that, yeah. Whatever they call it at the top. It says Urkel, E-R-K-U-L dot blah, blah, blah. And it goes from there. So it, it's, 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 because I've heard multiple people that are newer to the project be confused on well you said urkel and then you said dps calculator which one is it it's the same thing you know what i've never noticed that actually i've i've, I've just been calling it urkel because someone referred to it as urkel to me mm-hmm. um i wonder if there's a story behind that <laughs> no clue i just know that it's one thing and it tends to confuse some of the newer people to the project so i wanted to call it out so that just people knew, like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm hip now. I get it. It's the same thing. <laughs> Katie, why don't you lead us into our discussion on Star Citizen? Yeah, absolutely. So with the current um, group of 
Star Citizen dynamic events having recently and you know recently occurred with Nine Tails the lockdown and currently ongoing with the Xeno threat. Um, I wanted to discuss with you guys uh, any observations or feedback about the current events that we've had and any future event ideas that you think would be cool to see uh, within Star Citizen. Um, I will get the ball rolling, I suppose, uh, with an event idea that I think would be maybe kind of interesting. And that would be if there was a a siege maybe on a ground-based settlement within the game, one of the major cities. Um, You know, you could have ground combat in the the perimeter of the city, um, ships bringing supplies down from orbit, maybe some space combat above. Um, I wanted to get your guys, uh, your guys' thoughts on current and future ship events. Kai. So I very much like um, we have three, we have two events that we have details on thus far, and one event that we have quasi details on. So. Xenothreat was a phase one, notify the area, get ready. Phase two, uh, fight off some enemy ships. Phase three, uh, go to sort of derelict wreck ships, whatever, get shit off of them and get it back to uh, a, a designated point, understanding that some of the stuff is quantanium sensitive or, or, or like quantum jump sensitive. Some of the stuff is time sensitive. Some of the stuff is shake sensitive. Uh, and then phase four, you know, do a combat event where you take your sort of repaired ship and you take it into battle against another group. I, I, I love that. Uh, with regard to the nine tails event, there is a blockade aspect. There is a PVP aspect. I like that. Um, I think we've only seen phase, like version one of it, and it was a little... There, there, let's put it this way. There was some room for improvement, but when I look at how good Xenothreat Mark II was versus Xenothreat Mark I... I'm very much hopeful and very much uh, uh, believing that Ninetales Mark II will be vastly improved in a lot of ways where it will seem less clunky. It won't be as hard to find medical supplies. There will be more opportunities, whatever. Um, The third event that we've heard details on is Jumptown version 2. Jumptown version 1 was a very cool sort of it happened organically thing jump town version two is going to be different in that it's going to be seems like they're going to announce it which is going to kind of change a lot of whatever kind of what i would like to see more of with jump town version two or probably jump town version three as it progresses is i would like to see it be a more a dynamic thing where it's not necessarily in jump town that it could be in Bezdeck one day and the next day in Jumptown and the next day in, you know, some area outside of Levski, the next day, you know, some area in uh, near Ruin and Pyros and the next day, some area random spot in, you know, Ariel and in, in, in Hurston. What I would like to see it move around so that it kind of has more of a randomy kind of player made sort of 
feel. Um, the fourth one that we know only one thing about, and that's the name, is called Infiltrator. Um, I think the main thing that I would like to point out wh where I would like to see these events go f going forward, I'm very gratified by what they're doing. I'm very hopeful that it will continue to improve. What I very much want to see is two important aspects tied to the events. Number one, I want to see it tied to the dynamic uh, system that they have for reputation. I'd like to see it access that and make for interesting ways of tailoring a game event. And number two, I want to see the event access the loot system to provide for interesting and rewarding outcomes. Um, I, I know that that's very, very vague, and I'm, I, I, I'd like to give other people the opportunity you know, to come in with sort of detailed whatever, but th this is sort of a general feeling of, of, of what I have on the events. Roy? Yeah, so um, I, I, I agree with all that. I, I would add, uh, and granted, I've only had about <laughs> 20 seconds of, of Xenothreat gameplay so far due to a comedy of errors across the last two gaming sessions, but um, the thing that... Uh, I thought was neat about this one that I'd like to see expanded was the whole idea of starting with, you know, moving cargo, then going into a combat phase is um, I'm wondering if they could, they could head towards more of a um, continual dynamic thing where instead of the same cohort, um, like if there's a cargo phase and then a fight phase, instead of the same cohort going through those, you could actually interact with the thing and stay at one of those phases while others were doing the other phase. So I, I like the idea of having more and more of the logistics of battle and support roles being represented um, as it maybe moves towards a big sort of battle set piece um, kind of event. Um, that's, that's, I guess, what I would look forward to. Is It's, it's certainly um, worthy to have a cohort move through all the different stages so you get to try all the stuff, but I'd also like to see it where um, you could specialize and work really well on one of those phases and that's how you interact with it because you choose to use the ship that's got the you know that was built for that role and the, the gear that was built for that role and, and so forth yeah yeah you could have for example maybe while the battle is ongoing the kind of logistics side of it is also ongoing and is is needed to provide something to the combat you know the, the combat mm -hmm. efforts if you will mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um rain I think what I'm looking forward to is having, and, and for those that haven't been with the project as long as I have, you probably won't know a lot about like the, the DGS and the hybrid layer and the service layers and systems and things like that. But I suggest, you know, go, there's a video by Tony Z. The man is absolutely brilliant talking about their version of the BGS, the simulation that, you know, some of us are used to dealing with that kind of stuff at Elite. For me, what I want to see is events that happen because of the dynamic universe and the background simulation. That's what I want to see more than anything. I had a blast uh, hanging out with the skunks. I was on a Carrick, having a good time. I actually think I was in the last video. Um, and that's great. Xenothreat's great. Uh, Jumptown, cool. You know, like all that stuff's cool. 
but give me a living, breathing world that says there's some pirate activity here because a lot of people were mining here. So now there's an event that says show up and either help the pirates or show up and fight against the pirates. Not because we did a fully voice acted, all kinds of scripted nonsense, which is great. It's not nonsense, but it's the only word I can think of. But because the world had something happening and the world told me and I chose to go there and be a part of it. That's what I want in the future. That's what I can't wait for in the next, you know, the rest of this year or next year, seeing where they go with integration of the dynamic background simulation that they're building to build us a truly living, breathing world that we can interact with, that interacts with us, and that we can affect and change. So say we all. I, so say we all. I completely agree. And, and just to add to that, like you, like you say that the, the, the events of the verse, events of Stanton for now, I suppose, um, you know, should trigger different events and things. I think that one of the, the linchpins that will need to be made to, if not work completely, at least, at least have kind of um, support for, uh, and this goes for the upcoming inventory and ship inventory systems as well, is persistence over crashes. Because 30Ks right now, with the upcoming inventory changes, if they're expecting people to store things on their ship and keep everything on the ship and only have access to what they have on them, if you lose that every time you get a 30k, that is really going to suck. Like, you're going to need to at least, at the very least, have ship persistence over 30k's. And I think the same for like the state of the system, the state of missions, the state of your progress in those areas would need to be persistent over crashes to really have an impact. Um, I, I completely agree with you though, that, that a living, breathing system that 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 you know creates those events dynamically would be would be outstanding. Um, Jade. Yes, I just want to, you know, sort of back up what both of you have said about this having more of a, a living, breathing feel um, based on events that are happening. Uh, both that we see on ones that are being you know simulated by quantum in the background. Um, I know that one thing personally I would like to see would be other game mechanics integrated into these dynamic events. For instance, they've done a ton of work on mining and refining. And I'd love to see an event where that ends up being like the centerpiece of the event. For instance, like... Art core and lore is usually tied with Hurston as being the worst employer in the universe. And they also have mining operations, as you've probably seen on several of the moons. Perhaps their workers have gone on strike and miners are, you know, like scab miners are called in to, to do that. It's going to be highly profitable. It would move from um, mining outpost to mining outpost materials spawning around them that would be easily accessible by people with rocks or whatever. Um, and then the component of that that's combat is you'd have to have people that protect the miners. You'd have to have people that are fighting the, um, the, the people that didn't want you to, you know, like cross the picket line. Um, there, there could be a lot of things like that, that they integrate some of the mm. other gameplay that they put into the game, into the dynamic events that would be based on like that quantum simulation. Perhaps the economy in Stanton has, has gone down. Artcore doesn't really want to play, pay their workers, uh, you know, to keep pace with, with it. And so, yeah, 
something like that. Like, or again, the universe would then feel more living, breathing, something that has happened, then triggers something else that didn't trigger something else. I would love to see that. I absolutely love that idea that that might that mining scenario that you, that you just brought up the entire thing. I absolutely love it. Think of the possibilities you can have rocks mining with with ballistas in support and yes. ships patrolling overhead and moles fully crewed. That that would be incredible. Yeah, absolutely amazing. With rail guns and rocket launchers, <laughs> outstanding idea. Absolutely outstanding. Could not agree with you more. Um, more of the gameplay mechanics should be brought into these events 100%. Okay. So a couple of things. Number one, I want to bring up from the chat. Somebody's like, you guys are forgetting to mention the fact that they're starting to sneaky, sneaky improve stuff for when you have a 30K, sometimes you load back in with your stuff. Just to clarify, we talked about it last week. It is awesome. You cannot count on it yet, but it's very neat that it's starting to happen. Um, with regard to cool ideas for events that I would like to see, I would like to see a special dynamic event that happens that's a search and rescue or something where uh, there's a, a, a sort of either one ship that is, you know, out there or or be like a convoy of ships that, oh, something happens and now they all need rescue. They all, you know, and so it's basically a similar thing to the Xeno Threat where you're going to different derelict ships and loading up on boxes but you're loading up on people to rescue them you can tie that into medical play oh my idea i would love to see um an idea of uh you know how you talked about that mining event of you know how hurston they're sort of dicks to their people i would love to see a belter loader series of events where you know hurston is cracking down on their workers and you can dynamic events happen in dynamic event one is you can choose to side with hurston or the oppressed peoples and the reward is better for hurston so people you know the greedy assholes will go with hurston because they're like ah, i get more money but the the people that do the the sort of belter loader side that the oppressed people side you get some kind of a rep and then a second event happens and it's similar and then a third event happens and it's similar and then the fourth event happens and when the fourth events happen the people that chose the money payoff for the last three events they're sort of out of the loop because now it's there's a dynamic event happens where the belter loader side they're offering a cool reward a unique paint job a unique skin a unique gun a unique something that people it will reward the people who chose what was right instead of what was self uh profiting on the last three i just i i don't maybe i'm a fucking i'm a dreamer i've, I've whatever but like wouldn't that be cool where there's a series of sort of moral choices and at the end of it, when it's too late to go back and change your mind, now you see what the actual real payoff is. Because that's how life works to me. You can go the easy route and you can make a buck off of screwing other people. But in the end, karma will get you. Yeah, I absolutely. Sorry, Jay, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. No, I was I was just making a quick comment. I absolutely love that idea, Kai. I agree. <laughs> Amazing idea, yeah. You're right, because I also have those how life works. Like you don't know the outcomes to decisions as you're making them. 
oftentimes you find out a lot a long time later that, that there are consequences but regarding what you said about the um the loading back in after a 30k i have had situations where i have loaded back in at the location where i crashed with the mission still active even but like you say it's all about the reliability it's like with bed logging at the minute right bed logging works most of the time in my experience but because it doesn't work all of the time you don't really do it because you don't want to do a character reset you don't want to go through the 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 trouble of getting all your sits again so unless something is specifically like reliably working i don't think people will make a lot of use of it and if our inventory is now tied to ships going forward um it could cause potential problems or it could could just cause a lot of frustration when you you crash out you gotta load your ship back up again you gotta put everything back in it or maybe you've lost everything you know we don't don't know how exactly the system's gonna work just yet Katie, um, I have it on good authority from Facebook that you are a paid shill from <laughs> from, from CIG. Yeah. So I, I I can't trust what you say. Well, my my check is a little bit late this month, so you know I can say some bad things until obviously that clears. Wow! Wow! Wow, Katie. Um, Rain. First of all, I want to say to Kai, oh yeah, Beltaloda, Beltaloda, you gotta say it right, man. Mm-hmm. Acting like in your load up in this joint. Oh, yeah, buff the load. You got to say it right. I'm disappointed in you. Sorry, just giving you crap. Hell yeah. But <laughs> I, and I, I want to have any experienced fans we get in chat. Oh, yeah, buff the load. Anyway, um, one of the things that I, you were talking about search and rescue too is, and in, in everybody else talking about bringing gameplay in is we're getting medical gameplay. Why not have us respond to a disaster? An actual, you know, where we're we're going, like you said, a, a site like a ship crashed on planet, and people are going out there in cutlass reds and blues and a burning station, perhaps, mm-hmm. or a burning station where we're actually <laughs> pulling people <laughs> off the station. Yeah, um, that Brave are just numbers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and we had to have we had to have a little bit of that salt tonight, just a little tiny bit of it. Uh, mm. All right, how about this for an idea? Ready? Oh shit! I took a drink and I forgot what the idea was. It was good. It was. We, we believe you. Mm. <clears throat> oh, I I remembered what it was. Okay, so look. Uh, I, okay, I don't, I'm not gonna get real world political here. I, that's not what we're about, okay? But let's look for a moment. Let's examine Xenothreat. What is Xenothreat? I mean, Xenothreat is racism, ignorance and hatred of the other, uh, violent uh, extremism. And when you get right down to it, the idea was that the Messer regime was this sort of North Korean authoritarian regime that was an empire that was uh, a thing that was based on racism, hatred, xenophobia. It was based on keep the other at bay, abuse your own population, and tell them that they're supposed to be afraid of the other, which didn't really, the other didn't, have any feelings towards them good bad or otherwise the other didn't give a shit about them but that wasn't the point the point was if i keep my if i keep my boot on you and keep you down 
and then tell you you're supposed to be afraid of the other instead of me, you know, sort of stupid rednecks will believe it and will sort of give me the authority to screw them over while somehow claiming that it's someone else that's at fault. I think a certain amount of xenothreat, if you look at Look at look at Iraq after whatever. And again, sorry for going into real world shit, but there was a certain amount of the insurgency in Iraq that was just parts of the Saddam Hussein regime or whatever that had gotten displaced and they didn't like being out of power and this was their way to get back into power. If you look at that as a model for um thinking about what Xenothreat is, what if Xenothreat is a bunch of old-fashioned racist assholes that were part of the Mesher regime who didn't like losing power and didn't like that Terra took over and supplanted, you know, the Mesher dynasty of things or whatever. And this is their way of basically being that asshole that is like shitty to Mexicans and Asians or whatever and, and, and Islamic people because it's like, they took her jeebs. Like, what if you had some interesting play that the storyline of Xenothreat sort of goes along and comes out even more and you see some of the very realistic um, face of what intolerance looks like whether that be uh, Islamophobia Asian phobia or hatred or whatever in, in the in the in the form of 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 covid bullshit uh, uh uh transphobia gay phobia mexican phobia black phobia whatever phobia it is like let's look head on at what this whole like dirty xeno threat racist terrorist hatred filled thing is and what if they were to craft a story that actually got into kind of it 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 told a story that lets you experience that and lets you get face to face with the other and see so yeah exactly uh, uh trey york in in chat thank you very much roy for bringing it up alienation yeah <laughs> brought it told that story the old movie of alienation told that story sort of so well so interesting in, in a way of like let's look at hatred for what it is and let's stand up for it stand up to it in a way that is just I don't, I don't know. I feel, now I feel like I wandered off into a fucking political rant and I'm not trying to be that. I just, I don't know. My mind wandered on that. Sorry. Somebody take over. I will, if you don't mind. Sure. Oh, please go ahead. So, yeah, I, I agree, Kai. And one of the things that um, I think has made the Star Trek franchise endure um, has been the fact that they are willing to take on these type of issues and cast them in a completely alien futuristic setting that allows people to to look at them in a, perhaps a new and different way than they're used to um bringing it back to star citizen i don't think it's any coincidence that 
we've had this second Xeno threat campaign in the backdrop of the election of an imperator, in the case of uh, Leilani Addison, that wants to have much better relations with the rest of the universe, with the Xi'an specifically. And, and the fact that her um, ambassador to the Xi'an Empire, who was, who was Xi'an, has been rejected by the Senate. So there's xenophobia in the Star Citizen Union, in the UEE, because it has not been that long since the Mesher regime. So that that's you know fairly realistic in in terms of where we are in the in the Star Citizen universe right now is not that far removed from the the Messers, which, as you said, were were you know a, a fascistic um, dynasty spanning centuries. So that's reflected in, in how the Senate has treated um, Addison and, and her um, her ambassador candidate. And it's also reflected in the fact that Xenothreat has these capital ships. They seem to have like an endless supply of them. They're getting them from somewhere. They're clearly well supported among some of the, the populace. And, you know, they are a violent insurrectionist terrorist group that want basically UE citizens to overthrow the legitimate government and, and replace it with um, themselves, which are basically neo-Messerites. So, yeah. They take care of jibs, but on a galactic level. <laughs> exactly. Right on. Uh, does anybody have anything else for this? Or, Katie, do you have any other... If you have another Star Citizen I point, I'd love it. Would like to add one more... Sure. ...positive about the events, uh, specifically Xenos, right, in fact, which is um, that there were, there were a lot of ships in the game. There were a lot of ships that have specific roles. And uh, the Retaliator Bomber, I'd, I'd been in one before. I'd crewed one with, with, with some of the other skunks before. Um, we'd taken out bounty hunting. And, you, have, you know, you have a fun time. You take out some hammerheads. Sometimes you hit them. Sometimes you don't. But I never really kind of, like, really understood the purpose of that ship until that battle in Xenothreat, where you've got all of the fighters engaged with the other fighters and, and it, all, the capital ships engaging each other, and then you're in, this, you're in this bomber and you're lining up for your torpedo shots against a capital ship, and the tension is you release that torpedo and it's flying towards the target and you're watching it trail towards the target. And the, 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 the huge elation when you get a hit, because you're doing real damage with those torpedoes, and the, the, the kind of sigh when you, when you miss. Um, I thought it was amazing to see an event that really highlighted uh, what a ship, it's, what its purpose is like that. And as Jay said, I would love to see more events focusing on other areas of the game that will then highlight uh, specific ships and their roles uh, and, and what they can be used for. I now own a retaliator, by the way. <laughs> that, that's what that event did. That's what that experience did for me. Um, I would just like to see that. Yeah, more of that in future, definitely. More variety of, of activities, more of the mechanics in use. Uh, for me personally, and I'm biased here, way more FPS combat, please. I'd love to see some dynamic events that are... I know we've had like the little the little bits of FPS combat in the staff areas and things like that. Um, I'd love to see a lot more of that. And with the new... The, the news about the planetary navigation for AI, maybe that's coming. Hopefully, I'd, I'd love to see it. Um, yeah, I, I think that the, the current round of dynamic events uh, have been successful and I'm looking forward to more. Can I suggest one last 
thought on dynamic events. You twenty people at a time, and you can you know so a maximum of twenty. If if five sign up, then it's a five person thing. If twenty sign up, then it's a twenty person thing. If twenty one sign up, well, last guy's ass out. Shit happens. Uh, but you go to a location. Where there'll there'll be a, a, a galaxy wide thing, a system wide thing saying, Come to Bezdeck and sign up, right? You go, you sign up at the little office, the little whatever at Bezdeck or, or an office at one of the little stations or someplace. And then you you know, wait five minutes, ten minutes till the event starts. And when the event starts you're in a tumbrel at an unknown location. So you had no chance to scope it. And it's you and anywhere from two other people to 20 maximum are in stalls. And then you see three, two, one. The front of the gate opens and there's a finish point that is on all of your maps. And it's a race. And it could be any one of who knows 50 different random courses so you can't it's not like you have an advantage because you know the course it is what it is the thing lifts take off and go let's have some race events wouldn't that be cool that would be it would be interesting definitely just a thought (laughs) all right katie do you have uh anything else for star citizen uh discussion topic no, I think we've I think we've we've covered it pretty well. Right on. Well, that takes us to Where's the sound effect button? It's right here. No Man's Sky News. All right. Frontiers update dropped. We have in the show notes the announcement We have the patch notes, and we have what is coming to you right now, which is the trailer. Please do enjoy. Plus new base parts. Town NPC simulation. Become settlement overseer. 15 plus save slots. Monstrous companions. Improved visual effects. More save discoveries. New Twitch campaign. Season 3 Expedition Space Sky Nebula Space Building Overhaul 
settlement management. Grow settlements. Defend settlements. Solve disputes. God. Damn. All right. Yeah. There's there's a lot there. So in addition to that, we've got Survival Bob, the No Man's Sky Frontiers patch notes reading live with Bob. It's an hour long, gives you a full breakdown of the stuff, the, the nitty-gritty of the update. And I want to call out Nexus Mods has a shorter settlement timer that decreases the wait time on your settlement stuff 10x. So if it's like, ah, oh, you got to wait two hours. Well, now you got to wait 12 minutes. Uh, oh, you got to wait, you know, a day. Well, now you got to wait, like, whatever, an hour. It's it's good stuff. Um, two and a half hours. There you go. I can do math. I'm not that drunk. Um... Lots and lots of good stuff. Rain, hop in. So I want to do a little bit of positive with my negative. All right. Play the update. Love the update. Love what No Man's Sky is doing. Mm -hmm. Positive part I want to put out is this is on the back end, probably the largest update they've ever done. And Sean even said that this gives them a lot of opportunities to like continue the journey. Our journey continues, right? And I'm really looking forward to that. But I have questions like, why can we only have one settlement? What is the what is the the the, the technical or game design reasoning there? And um, something else that I'm not so much a fan of is when you bring a new system into the game and it does not have any feature parity with all the other systems. So if our spaceships and our exosuit and our tool and our freighters all have the slots and stuff like that. Why didn't settlements? Why why do I get two choices of a building? Why don't I get like a top-down view and like a plot and then I get to put what building goes in that plot? I'm just kind of confused about that. But overall, to compliment Sandwich here, I really love this mm -hmm. because now like I'm really stoked for the fact that, well, hey, in space stations, you can walk up to the thing and it says insert a thing eventually maybe we can own space stations mm. you know and, and and sean talking about hey we've now we have the opportunity to really do some like even more cool stuff like i'm are we going to get another really big update at the end of this year i'm looking forward to a lot so all in all just well done to hello games no man's sky sean the team just just well done good job huge huge salute to them number one i want to highlight the fact this is their 17th free update. 17 free updates. All of them weighty. This one more so than several others. As you said, there is a ton on the back end that got upgraded here. Number one, five times 15 more save slots. Before they had four, now they have 15. And they've done a lot of stuff on the graphics involved in here. With regard to the whole settlement thing, it's very much to me, it reminds me of sort of the Kingmaker Maker campaign from Pathfinder, where it's like there's a whole sort of build up your city. And as far as you saying, like, well, how come you can't have more than one? I think it's designed, at least at first, 
that way. Who knows if it's that you can only have one? It's that you can only have one right now. Maybe after you get one settlement to max level, you're able to move on to another. Or maybe at that point, that unlocks the thing with the station in the corresponding system. Or maybe I don't even know where it's going. But there's a lot there. Um, if you look in the store, if you go to the to the to the anomaly and you go to the back where the store is, where they have all the extra stuff. There is literally like 400 plus new things. So you're going to be getting salvage data for a long ass time to unlock all this new stuff. There's posters and there's all kinds of furniture and there's new building materials and there's new everything. They did a massive revamp to where how all of the base building works, where it's a new it's new menu systems that let you see a lot more, let you craft a lot more at the same time. There is so much there. How Where it's going, I don't know. But like the, the resolving disputes between your people is cool. You can send your people out on expeditions. I saw there was one part where after you do enough, like you do expeditions among your, not you, among your personnel, among your, your citizens of your settlement, you back them. And they go on expeditions. And one of them was they were going out to unlock new animal companions. It's like, wait a second. My citizens can have animal companions? How does that change whatever with me? It, we have not seen Expedition 3 yet. But if you go right now to the anomaly and you go to the Quicksilver vendor guy that does the stuff, you already see the rewards for that expedition, which is forthcoming. One of which is like, uh, there's, there's like... There's housing items, there's a thing where it sprays out like bubbles, like a bubble machine whenever you'd use your jetpack where like bubbles come out of it, it looks funny. There is an egg where you can hatch one of those little void enemy little fuckers, that the, the little flathead alien babies that come out of those eggs, the black eggs, and you can have one of those as your pet. There's lots of cool shit and it's, it's so much and so much of it is back in that we don't even see yet. I am so stoked to see where this is going. Roy, you put in a dot like an hour ago. Hop in on this, brother. <laughs> um, so yeah, I downloaded the Frontiers update. And uh, first off, I was pleasantly surprised to see that my keyboard remapping mod still worked. Mm -hmm. um, I did have to, you know, the normal thing, you delete the disable mods.txt file, because I guess it puts that back in each each patch. So that was mm -hmm. just a simple thing. Um, I'm, you know, I'm still working my way through the beginning quest chain. I'm not sure if I'm going to run into any settlements um, naturally, or if I have to finish that first before I, they're available. You have to, to get me, to so. the anomaly, Roy. Okay, all right. So I'll get to see that after that. Um, the the thing I was wondering, you know, looking at the graphics for the, you know, the this expanded library of uh, building mm -hmm. part parts and such, is it just me, or did the graphics get a little bit less garish? You know, less Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor Ragnarok, and maybe a little bit more in the direction of like Kerbal Space Program. It's still playful and whimsy, but not quite so neon and way over the top. Huh. Well, you're talking to colorblind boy, so I've got no fucking clue. But uh, if I, they, it is a reoccurring theme where on at least five times now over, over the course of Nomansky. They have upgraded their graphics to be better, in, or at least what many people concern to be, can see, 
like to be better at one point or another. So, I mean, the Prisms update, 3.15, the last update before this current one, it they had a whole massive thing in there about how the graphics were better. Yeah. Mm. So it wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Uh, Rain. Five years down the road. And uh, this update has shown me that Sean and the team are still just as dedicated. And as they say at the end of every trailer, our journey continues. I can't wait. I can't wait for that journey to continue. I, I want to see what's coming next. If they can do things like this now, what happens next? Do we get maybe some updates to planet scaling so they're a little bit bigger? Do we get some actual rotation? And you know, because they updated the uh, the skybox to show like all the stars and stuff instead and of those being nebulous. Fake. Yeah, yeah. And the nebulas are gorgeous. They're so amazing. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I just I think this is going to be another foundational update like Foundations was and I I really want to see what's coming next. I really do. I'm just excited to see something come out with the name Frontier attached to it that doesn't bum me out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. That was a cheap. You know what? Wait, wait. Hold on. I I need to cheap apologize. Shot. I need to apologize because I am trying very hard to not be that guy with 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 Frontier. So apologies. I retract that statement. It was me attempting to be funny. Whatever. Um Yeah. There's a lot there that is very, very interesting. I'm I'm excited. I, I think on September 9th. We're going to see maybe a new expedition that maybe, maybe ties into the 55th anniversary of Star Trek on that day. Maybe? Question mark? Who knows? <laughs> I would love to see it. Give me a red shirt. Give my guy a red shirt. That's cool. Um, Yeah. Uh, I, I, There's a lot there. I'll be honest, me personally, and I'm not trying to be shitty. And I love Nomadsky. I absolutely love it. I was super hoping for a big invasion, a big Jem'Hadar style invasion of the other, you know, coming in and whatever. And then we have to like go, not only do we have to fight them off to protect our land, but we also have to, you know, uh, we have to go through to the upside down and like stop them from there. So I think that would be a super, super cool. I see somebody in chat saying, where's my boy tweaks. So tweaks is not here tonight because he got a cold, his kids babysitter or something gave him a cold and like his whole family, his whole house, they have a cold and whatever. And he's losing his voice. And, uh, he was super, super bummed because it just hit him today and he wanted to be here. And and Wolf is not here because he is out with the wife visiting his parents out of state. So yeah, that's why we have uh, we have you know me, Roy, and 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 Katie, and then we have our two guests. So that's how we ended up with Ladies Night. Um, but yeah, I I wanted to see a sort of a sort of invasion story on the because they've talked about this like weakening boundary between like interdimensional whatever at those weird things where it's the sideways stargate not the functional stargate but the weird one that like so far has no purpose it just says it's a weak weak boundary area or whatever i would love to see something like that but like 
this is very, very cool. I don't mean to be a jerk and like be not thankful for what we have here because this is awesome and I am dying to play with it more and to grow my base and to see what happens. And next week's show, on next week's show of Black Sky Legion, we're going to have for you the actual final decision details of we've confirmed it, we've checked around of all of our top places after they did these changes or whatever, and now we for sure know this is the location of our base and we're going to make a party planet where we're going to invite all of you come and build a base somewhere on that planet. And we're going to just end up with a base with like a hundred or a planet with like a hundred bases on it. And we're going to do, we're going to just randomly go check people's bases out and like raid them. We're going to do like group get together. I don't know. We're going to figure out shit and it's going to be cool. And trust me, it'll be good. Uh, so yeah, we will have all of that and more next week. No Man's Sky discussion topic is just the frontier hype and speculation on what's to come. Um, I, I want to go around the, from top to bottom and have everybody have a chance to at least chip in one more thing if you haven't already. Roy, do you have anything else you want to chip, chip in on, on this and speculation for what's to come with this uh, expedition? Well, uh, I mean, I've got very little experience with this game, so not not too deep of speculation. I'm just excited to, to build a base. You know, it's... I think I've seen it in the chat as well. There's some neat uh, sort of Fallout 4 vibe, but better. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Hell yeah. Sure. Katie. I enjoy the base building in um, No Man's Sky. Again, like Roy, I have very, very little experience with the game. But what I have experienced, I've enjoyed. So if they're, you know, adding to that, that can't be anything but a good thing. Jade. Oh my goodness. I played the hell out of this game. I pre-ordered it back in 2016. I played the hell out of it between 2016 and 2018. I mean, I this, this was my first space game. And then that led me to Elite Dangerous and Star Citizen as a result. And this is the first time since then where I'm like, oh, I really need to get back into No Man's Sky. So, yeah. Right on. And Rain. 127 short hours and probably next week I'll have another good 40 or 50. I'm I'm looking looking forward to really getting into this and seeing what the uh the end game with settlements is and then like I've said a couple times already just I uh already stoked for what can possibly come next. Awesome. And my final thought on it is going to be I love no Mitsuki. And that takes us to Elite Dangerous. Where's the thing for it? Hold on. Let me find it. Crap. There's a lot of buttons here. Uh, we go do this, and then we do this. Elite Dangerous News. Okay. Wait, wait. Actually, hold on, hold on. I want to do this one, too, because I got a button. We're going to start oh, okay. off with... It's the Dark Wheel Update. Okay. okay. I might just have too many buttons, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to cover the Dark Wheel Update for Wolf since he's out. Um, uh, three three quick things here. First off, BD-18, uh, 3106, the Dark Wheel is at war for control of the system. Uh, we really want to make this system fly the flag, and uh, after it's won, we want to continue the climb to at least uh, 60% influence. 
And uh, second up in the Yukui system, uh, the Dark Wheel won the war for number three, and we're trying to continue the climb there as well. And last, uh, there's some other work to do around the Dark Wheel space, but uh, your commanders know to read the standing orders for those to-do lists. So that's the Dark Wheel update. Um, in Frontier News, you're not going to play the button again for that, or I can just cruise right in. Go for it. All right. In Frontier News, uh, Galnet, uh, August 30th, the corp uh, corporation plans Onion Head Medical Product. So this is the pharmaceutical giant uh, Neo Medical Industries. They're aiming to mass produce the gamma strain as a medicine. Um, at the time of this article, there had been no response from Kumo Crew Syndicate, who currently supplies the new variant. But as you'll see in a couple stories, that changes. Um, August 31st, Highford's Cash reveals mysterious project. Um, you know, as we mentioned last week and has been covered uh, quite well by a number of uh, content creators, including Galnet News Digest and the Burr Pit, uh, the, the data cache timer expired last week, it kicked off his quest. Uh, in the article, they're suggesting a possible connection to Kit Fowler's recent theories about Black Flight. Um, September 1st, Federation criticized by Alliance and Empire. I'm shocked, shocked to find the superpowers disagreeing. Yeah, whatever. Uh, September 2nd, Pharma Giant begins Onion Head Project. So this was uh, the, kick the kickoff for the CG. Um, now the Kumo crew is kind of upset. So there's a CG um, that we'll talk about in a sec. And then finally on September 3rd, uh, Toroval Orbital established. So this is the continuing story from uh, the the CG a little while ago with Samina Torval uh, being in conflict to have a new you know, headquarters in LTT 198. So there is a new starport there. So the community goal that got launched, uh, there's a hauling component and combat component. You're basically protecting deliveries for neomedical industries or um, getting bounties for fighting off the Kumo crew. That's your choices there. Uh, rewards, basically some uh, stickers, onion head decals and uh, a Cobra Mark III onion head paint job. So if you're really into onion head, I guess that's for you. Um, so that's the news. Uh, you know, there's, I'm going to go through three things here that I think might be uh, fodder for some discussion. We'll see if anyone's got some thoughts. Uh, or we might just keep cruising through it. Um, the first one, you know, we've got this um, issue list they've been continuing to uh, tick the boxes off of. Uh, I, I think this is maybe in the category of, uh, I, I really hope this turns into sub something substantive. Uh, they've been sort of ticking some things off the list that actually were already done before they made the list. So it's it's feeling a little hollow. Um, I really hope that becomes substantive and there's it really turns into a good tool for them. I think it's got a a ways to go. Preach, um, brother. The, the second one, uh, and this is one I might talk about for a minute. This, you know, this this idea that they're going to be putting. Well, there's two fact, two two parts of this. They're going to put concourses in megaships, and um, and then they're going to put these megaships all around the the Milky Way, uh, in I guess one per sector or something, which you know sounds suspiciously like a giant. Uh, well, well executed uh, player driven activity that resulted in the, the DSSA carriers being uh, put all over the all over the galaxy and and uh, and, you know, right, wait, providing that service. I, I'd like to take a moment. Let's actually go around. I would like to hear everybody's thoughts on that, because I think you and I, Roy, had the exact same thought when yeah. when they announced like, OK, we hear 
that people out there are pissed off because they were out in the black when Odyssey dropped and they now don't have their exobiology suit. So we're going to fix that by putting concourses not in fleet carriers, as everyone's asked, but in megaships. And we're going to place megaships in the different quadrants. What, what is that called? The sectors. Sectors. Different sectors of the galaxy. And that way, players can get their exobiology suit. So what occurs to me is, number one, why didn't you just give every people, every person who bought Odyssey a level one exobio suit? You don't have to upgrade it. You don't have to give them the other, the, the Maverick suit or the combat suit, just the exobio suit. Give them a level one suit so that they didn't have to go anywhere. Number two... If you are going to say we're going to fix this by adding concourses places, maybe you should have done it four months ago when you released Odyssey. That was back on May 19th. It's now September. They could have already, but at this point, kind of already screwed them. They had to go wherever. They would have gone there three months ago. Number three... If you were going to introduce it to anything, for the love of God, just put it on a fleet carrier. You didn't have to make it part of, like, it's owned or controlled by players. It could have just been a thing where the Brewer Corporation, who sells the fleet carriers, they retain the right to have a concourse. And they own it, and they they staff it, and you don't get any profits from it, and you don't pay any money for it. You get You have nothing to do with it. It's just there. And that would have, at the very least sort of shown respect because it seems to me and i could be wrong but the most the single biggest most beautiful most your your player base did a cool thing is the dssa those players those people men and women who stood up and said i'm going to volunteer my time and money to put a fleet carrier out there for the good of all that's so beautiful. And it seems like this thing, this solution that they've decided to go with, is it just me or does this shit all over the DSSA? Does this not make that entirely useless? And I don't, I'm not trying to be shitty about it, I swear. But like, I would love to hear from the panel and from the, the people in the chat what, what do you guys think about this? Does this, does, does this, am I missing something? Is there something where like, I'm just being a dick and I'm being like Mr. Negative and I should change my, cause I'm, I'm open. I'm willing to change my viewpoint. If someone can make a good, good, good persuasive argument. Eddie, hey, you got a thought on that? So I, I typically try and not comment on elite dangerous anymore just because it, it, it's nowadays, it's just a game. It's just one of the, you know, it's just a game I don't play. It's just someone else's game now. You know, I I don't feel any um, ritual towards it, but I can't help but feel that the Tim malicious compliance comes to mind. You know, like this problem has been has been highlighted to Frontier, and they can't just they can't just say, okay, we'll we'll give players what they've asked for. We'll put a concourse on fleet cars. They can't do that. It's got to be some some undermining step 
that that as you say, Kai, it it does completely undermine the efforts that the DSSA, which is a huge project that achieved it's an amazing achievement that they were able to coordinate and set up this array of deep space carriers. And this this kind of half measure solution to the problem really feels like it undermines that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I have to admit, it really gives me a, a, a poor view of Frontier, um, you know, more so than I guess I already had. Mm. Lady Rain? So <clears throat> I'm going to bring the spice and the salt. Sorry. I'm going to be that bitch. Um, as a community manager, I want to know why their community team isn't being an advocacy group for their player base because the first ever expedition that I did back in March, April, March, right before April and, and the update and stuff, I landed on two DSSA carriers and they were a sight for sore eyes out in the black. And to realize that this was a player organization, a player group that had done the Deep Space Support Array. You know, and the first one was over an Earth-like world that was ringed, and it was just just this amazing thing to have this, this way station in the black. This is tone deaf. The leadership has no idea what they're doing. And to me, this is a giant slap in the face to the player base. And I really want to know who thought... It would be a good idea. And and is the answer just why and why can't they say this to us, right? Like we we had all this glorious information we get from Star Citizen every week. Why can't Frontier just come out and say we're not putting concourses and fleet carriers because we can't? It is technically impossible. We screwed up. We're sorry. That's why we're doing it on mega ships. The fleet carriers move. That's why. We can't put concourses on them. There's a technical limitation. Who knows if that's the case or not? But I, I, I just, I yeah. want some honesty from Frontier. Once, please. Why did you do this? This just—it's a giant slap in the face to the DSSA. And I'm sorry for being that salty bitch. I haven't played Elite since April, but this stuff <laughs> no, still fine. gets to me. It still gets to me. Just a thread on a couple things there. I mean, I think the mega ships are going to move, aren't they? I can't. Someone mentioned that in the chat, and I couldn't remember if I sure. read that. I mean, but at that's Frontier's a, whim. Yeah, that's a minor point. I guess the the other one I was going to say is um, maybe it's maybe there's some expediency here. Like maybe they thought it would be better to have uh, a way to get suits to explorers in the black faster than to solve the longer term problem of a concourse and a fleet carrier. I don't know. So I would point I out that when horizons dropped every person, whether you were out on the black or whether you were whatever, if you bought elite dangerous horizons, your ship now magically had the approach, you know, the, you can land on a planet module put into it. There's that's no different oh, yeah. than saying every account now magically has just a level one plant gun suit. Doesn't have to be upgraded, doesn't have to be fancy, doesn't have to have 50 different laser guns. Just the one suit 
which gives you access to the plant gun. That's all they need. Yeah. Um, Commander Miggles31415 chat says, putting concourses on mega ships would mean they can place a base wherever an event calls for something like this, for example, mm-hmm. above a Thargoid ground combat zone. I think that's true. That's true. I, there's no reason you can't do both. And, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean, I mean, they could have done that, but not spread mega ships all over the, the, uh, the galaxy. I mean, if, I think another thing for me is it as an explorer, it makes exploration feel incrementally um, less dangerous again. Um, I, I've, I like the DSSA. I think in the very beginning when I first heard about the idea, uh, it was a little bit like, oh, like now it's not really going to be dangerous. You're only a half a sector away from safety no matter where you go now. I've come to appreciate it and I've worked it into my game, game loop as an explorer. I think it's great. Having a mega ship there as well doesn't really add anything for me, um, and and now just makes it feel more crowded. I guess it's a bit, you know, that's just sort of a feeling. It's not anything, anything uh, specific. Jade, you had a point you want to bring up. Yes, I I just want to say that I totally agree with what Lady Rain said as well as Kai. Um, it's almost it's it's heartbreaking. Uh, out of the three games that I've played, this is the one that I have the least amount of hours in compared to No Man's Sky and and Star Citizen. And I've often wondered why that was. And I, I've seen you know I followed the interaction between Frontier and the community, and I do think that does play a role. Um, you know, I've always felt sort of like an outsider looking into that whole dynamic. But you know, more recently, I, I've started paying a lot more attention to what's been going on, and it it really just it just hurts because I love the I love everything about the idea of this game, the full Milky Way galaxy. It has so much potential, and there's so many easy ones for Frontier if they would just listen to their community and and you know take take the easy ones. But you also have to be open to criticism. We in the Star Citizen community. You know, I've seen both sides of that. I mean, CIG has been open to criticism, but then when the game gets criticized, we've also seen gaming publications run with that. And I think Frontier, with a fully released game, this is not an alpha, this is not a beta, this is a fully released game with several major updates, can do a lot better. That's all. I'd like to take an opportunity to respond to something in the chat. Miggles, I see Miggles say, I disagree with Kai. I'm not much of an explorer, but if I had to choose one suit, I wouldn't choose the exploration suit. I'd be more interested in the other two. I would point out that's exactly the point, Miggles. You're not an explorer. The whole point is that for us in the bubble who bought Odyssey, you have within five jumps in every location a hundred different stores you can go to to buy any suit that makes you happy. The whole point of this conversation is that for those people like uh, Commander uh, Picard, who's been out in the black for five years and might be at this exact moment, for all I know, 40,000 light years away from the nearest store, for him, if he bought Odyssey... It seems only fair he spent his $40. He should have the opportunity to have a plant suit, a plant gun, so that he could go and sort of 
you know, uh, scan a plant. He paid the $40 for the game. Yes, he's not in the bubble, but like he should get a chance to look at pretty plants too. That's the only suit that explorers need. You don't need a combat suit as an explorer. Nothing shooting at you on the ground. You don't need a engineering suit as an explorer. You got no panels to cut. But you are 40,000, 60,000, 80,000 light years away from anything else surrounded by planets with pretty plants, which is exactly what Frontier said. You will have money to go or you can give us your money and you can go enjoy these pretty plants. So that that's that's the idea. Um, yes, Miggles, I'm sure you probably don't really care about the Explorer suit because, as you said, you're not an Explorer. But those people in the bubble have plenty of opportunity to easily grab whatever suit they want. Sorry, just wanted to hop in on that. Roy, no take yeah. it over. Yeah, so maybe one last thing. I think this, and it kind of feeds back to the very first point about the, the issue list as well. Um, and and uh, I think it might have been, I can't remember, sorry, if it was Lady or Lady Rain or Jade that mentioned about tone deaf. Uh, Me. It's, it's kind of a basic fact of like neuroscience and psychology that uh, if you're in a situation, if you're, if, you're, if you're in a relationship, and I'm speaking about the relationship FDEV has with their player base at the moment, that's negative um, and sensitized. You need three positive things for every negative before it even feels even. And um, if they keep doing things that are, you know, maybe they can say on balance, there's some good with the bad, but they're not, they're not going to get into the positive uh, part of that equation unless they really start doing some things, I think, that maybe aim more towards the side of let's make the game fun instead of slavishly adhere to some concept of like, well, they can't have the suit because they got to fly their ship back to the bubble. I mean, it's, I, I just think there needs to be some thought put into that. Um, I'd love to see this game pull itself out of the hole it's in. Um, I mean, look, they've got more data about who's playing and what they're doing than any of us do. And for all I know, maybe some of those DSSA carriers are starting to go broke because there's nobody using them anymore. Who knows? Um, maybe that was something going on in the background. We'll never know. But um, if they want to, if they want to dig out of this hole, they got to start tripling the <laughs> tripling the positives for the perceived negatives. So anyway, um, the third thing here, uh, Highford's cash. So um, I mentioned it a bit earlier. There's some great stuff out there on um, Galnet News Digest and and the Burr Pit uh, did a great uh, talk about the the Orthrus variant. I didn't even know about that. Uh, that it happened a few years ago, uh, which sounds like a, a type of Thargoid ship that um, a few years ago was maybe mistakenly in the game for a while, and it turned out it had human components, but uh, and then sort of went away. So uh, you don't need spoilers. Close your ears for 60 seconds. Um, so the Highford's cache thing, the story leads to a Hello, It's Colo audio log and describes a, human, a hybrid human Thargoid craft developed by Azimuth Biochem. Uh, and many are speculating this is the Orthrus variant, and that's what the uh, the excellent Burr Pit video goes over. Um, as yet, there's no concrete changes from it, so maybe there's more audio logs. Um, I guess more to come on that. Any anyone commenting on on this path, uh, this story? Any thoughts on this from anyone? Mm-hmm. More Does audio it logs. Matter. Sorry. Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think this has to end up in something fantastic to if it ends up in something fantastic in the game to my previous comment maybe it starts to move the needle uh hopefully it's not just a warmed over uh warmed over quest chain that got put on hold because uh, odyssey sucked all the air out of the room uh in development uh, a couple years ago so here's hoping they can they can pull that out mm-hmm. um let's see here we're coming up on three hours, Kai. Would you want to scoot right to Roy's stories? Let's do it. We now return to Roy's stories, season three, Tales from Tawanta, episode six, The Body. LCU split infinitive, docked at Wilson Port, Tawanta. 3305, July 17th, 0819 hours, Galactic Standard Time. Kaylee sat in the first class cabin in Commander Thomason's ship, LCU Split Infinitive, and double reviewed the plan that she, Frank, Hiroko, and Errold had just devised. She and Frank had decided that they were going to dispose of the body that they had found in the FSD maintenance tube. They hadn't been into the tube yet, but the system sensors indicated that the tube was contaminated with polonium-210 microparticles, and that the intruder had disabled the alarm subsystems before closing the door behind them. Looking at the system log messages, the intruder was up to no good. They were in the process of reconfiguring the FSD. She doubted that the intruder had Commander Thomason's best interests at heart. They were possibly an agent of the Order, so it was best that the Order didn't know what happened to them. The Order might take it badly and blame the people nearest, that is, the outfitting deck crew. Kaylee had roped in Hiroko and Errold to help. She suspected they might have a bit more experience with situations like this than anyone else in the deck crew. They certainly had plenty of good ideas. Along with Frank, the three of them identified three tasks. One. Get the body out of the maintenance tube and decontaminate the area without poisoning anyone else. 2. Disguise or destroy the body so that a casual scan wouldn't detect it. And 3. Get all the wastes and the body off the station. The second task was the first one that they had figured out a solution for, scarily enough. Harold and Hiroko both had extensive knowledge of life support systems and closed ecologies. They had suggested alkaline hydrolysis as a method of destroying the body enough to avoid a scan. They were going to immerse the body in a bath consisting of a mixture of potassium hydroxide and sodium hydroxide. They had some of these chemicals available as industrial cleaners, but Errold suggested that the CO2 scrubbers from an ancient unused life support system could be used to augment the supply. They had pulled that life support module out of an old battered Lacon Type 6, and it was 600 years old at least. They had been meaning to break down and dispose of that module for years, but never got around to it. So that helped with part three of the plan. It gave them a cover for getting some containers of chemical waste off the station. Harold was in the process of breaking down the scrubber and would soon have the alkaline bath set up in the hold of the LCU split infinitive. The tricky part of the plan was decontaminating the ship. If the intruder wasn't already dead, Kaylee would have killed them herself if they had made such a mess of things. The ship's computer estimated that about 5 grams of polonium microparticles had been released into the maintenance tube. 
That was enough to kill everyone on the station horribly. Even tiny amounts could be lethal. They decided that all the air, the body, and all the intruder's possessions in the tube would be considered contaminated and be removed and put into a chemical waste container. Once closed, that container wouldn't be safe to open without specialized equipment for about 11 or 12 years. Their plan was to set up an airlock outside the maintenance tube and put some decontamination drones and a cryovacuum pump inside before opening the tube access hatch and taking down the isolation force fields. The vacuum pump would remove all the gas from the area and the drones would clean up all the surfaces in there. There was a lot to clean up. To speed up the process, the ship's own cooling systems would be used to cool down the entire FSD area. Given how good the heat management system was on this ship, that should speed up the process of removing the air considerably. The vacuum pump would be completely contaminated during this and would need to be dumped. The decontamination drones would probably be okay. They were designed for work like this. For the last part of the plan, Hiroko would fly two containers full of chemical waste off the station. The official plan would be to fly to the refinery in Chu-1 and have the waste recycled. The actual plan was to dump it in a ravine on an uninhabited planet somewhere out of the system. Dumping it into a star or gas giant was suggested but was considered too risky. If they dumped the containers at a distance far enough away for the operation to be safe, then some ship would detect the containers as a degraded signal source and try to salvage them. Better to dump them on a boring, lifeless world that nobody could be bothered surveying. Nothing obviously wrong with it, Kaylee muttered to herself. And I can't think of anything better given the time and resources we have available. I guess I should just get to work. Wilsonport, Tawansa, 3305, July 17th. 15.54 hours, Galactic Standard Time. George Smith reviewed the work order for his next task. He had to check two containers of chemical waste to make sure that they were safe to transport and load them onto a hauler named Apfelkuchen. The containers had just arrived and the ship was scheduled to depart in 20 minutes. The pilot, a woman named Hiroko, was already on board the ship and had done all the normal pre-flight preparations and checks. The cargo was the last thing to be dealt with. George reviewed the manifest for the containers on their integrated control panels. A mix of concentrated hydroxides, sodium hydroxide, and potassium hydroxide. Damaged mechanical equipment with heavy metal contamination. Some bio-waste contamination, too. A quick scan with his own hand scanner was in broad agreement. Definitely not explosive drugs or weapons, which was a relief to George. The containers were banged up a bit, as if they had been rolled about a bit. He would have to have words with the outfitting deck mechanics about that. They should know better. Containers were pretty robust, but lasted a lot longer if they were handled properly. Also, they should have separated the bio-waste into a separate container. However, none of this was any reason to delay the transport. He cleared it and was about to load it when he spotted the official Tawanta Order customs officer walking up to him. He was the new guy and an officious idiot, if George's co-workers were to be believed. Great, just what he needed. This is a random inspection. I need you to open these containers right now. You sure you want to do that? I can't do that here. Are you disobeying a direct order? No, just pointing out that these containers are chemical waste, and according to procedure, must only be opened in hazardous materials zones. 
everyone working in that zone must be in a hazardous environment suit. Give me 20 minutes, I can be suited up. Are you qualified to use an HE suit? No! Then someone else will have to inspect it after I have opened it. And this pad will be tied up for the duration. During a war. When fighters need to take off and land. So are you absolutely sure these ones need to be opened? Or would the next shipment take that box? Hmm. Get these containers loaded and this pad cleared immediately or I'll report you, said the official before storming off. George got the containers loaded in less than five minutes and signaled the pilot of the Atfulkukan. Everything is loaded up and ready to go. Fly safe. Roger that, and thanks. Owe you one for the quick turnaround. Bring some pastries back. That stuff tastes so good. Hmm. Potential ally at the docks. That might be worth following up. Hiroko thought. Will do. Atfulkukan out. Atfulkukan docked at Wilsonport, Tawanta. 3305, July 17th. 1614 hours, Galactic Standard Time. Hiroko took the ship out of the port under manual control. That allowed her to take a path as far from the system security fighter patrol as possible. It also allowed her to speed a bit once she was sure her path ahead was clear. Both measures reduced the chance of a manifest scan before she managed to jump out of the system. She boosted, and was soon free of the mass lock effect from the station. She spooled up the FSD, no scans, so far so good. The ship hurled itself into witch space. Her first jump brought her to the Chu-1 system matching her filed flight plan. From here on, she would try and disappear. She stayed close to the star's exclusion zone and launched a heatsink. She plotted her new route and when the FSD was back online, activated it as well as using another heatsink. The second stage had completed successfully. Her second jump brought her to LTT-14823 system. It was uninhabited, with just four stars and no other major bodies there. Not even an asteroid belt of any note. No ships in the system, so she took a little more time and less risks with her next jump. The third jump brought her to LTT-14976, a low security system with numerous uninhabited but landable planets and moons. She had identified LTT-14976-5A as the perfect dumping ground. Lots of deep canyons, dark, cold, inhospitable. Nothing particularly interesting about it other than some water geysers. The system itself had enough pirates to deter most normal explorers and surveyors. It's likely that the containers would never be found. In about 12 years' time, the radiation would be at near background levels, and the body would never be identified. Even now, there wasn't much left. The alkalis had dissolved the soft tissues and weakened the bones. A bit of rolling about with the remains of the vacuum pump and scrap from that ancient life support system, and those weakened bones were just small fragments. Hiroko brought the ship down in a dark canyon without being noticed at all. And after a short trip out in the SRV, had lodged the two containers at the bottom of a narrow ravine. Good luck to whoever planned on salvaging those, she thought. She took off and jumped out of the system without attracting the attention of any other ship. Job well done, she said to herself. I think I deserve a slice of Battenberg cake when I get back to Macomb City.
What's the name of your ship? The Afflookin. God bless you. Uh, <laughs> all right, Roy, why don't you give shout-outs to the, the crew and whatnot for this episode real quick? Yeah, yeah. We had Boss Lady B as Kaylee, uh, Commander Jello Wiggler as George Smith. Uh, our very own Kaizen was the uh, officious idiot uh, order, <laughs> custom, the order customs officer. I uh, hate Bit that guy. Two, <laughs> Bitbot 2000 was Hiroko. And as always, our maestro on the music and editing, Monohive. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. And and of course, not to forget Commander Thomason, who was the author of all this, and the link to his blogs are in the, in the show notes. And also, you forgot uh, somebody who was very important on this project. There's a guy named Roy who has something well, to do with okay. it. He puts it together and whatnot and gets everything all situated and, and whatnot and so forth and yada, yada, yada. Thank you, sir. <sighs> all right. So um, uh, a couple things I want to run through real, real briefly. Number one. For our Patreon, I have to give a shout-out to Quaternion because I can't take your money and not shout you out. So thank you very much, sir, for contributing to the cause. Uh, yeah, just just wanted to, to, to say a thank you. Um, guys, I, I would really appreciate it if you would write in on this uh in the show notes, uh, not show notes, comment section of the YouTube video after it closes, after we close it out with your thoughts on these discussion topics this week uh, with regard to Katie's phenomenal um, kind of what do you want to see from events in Star Citizen? And in fact, let's open it up even further and say, what do you want to see from events in any of these games, in Nomansky, in Elite Dangerous, in Star Citizen, in all of them? Um, with regard to my uh, um, question about, you know, what do you think about the Nomansky update and, and, and the upcoming expedition uh, with regard to the Elite Dangerous stuff that Roy went over on, you know, Highford's Cash, how that played out. What did you think? Um, how do you feel about this whole idea of putting concourses on mega ships and putting them out in the different sectors instead what I, whatever and 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 the other one whatever that was um so yeah i would really appreciate it if you would you know put in your comments your thoughts on this as well as if you're listening to us on the, the podcast places give us a rating uh hopefully it's a good one uh thumbs up the video subscribe do the things that people do yada 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 uh and we're gonna go around the casket everybody's closing thoughts and then we're going to play the closing song good luck figuring out my musical tastes and there's definitely not anything after the closing song for you to sit around to watch after uh starting with because it's ladies night let's start with katie it's been an absolute pleasure as always guys thank you for staying tuned in uh hope you all have a great weekend get some xenothreat while you can hell yeah and, uh, all weekend for listening. all weekend yeah yeah and jade oh yeah about the loader yeah so um it's been a pleasure being on this thanks for inviting me and remember the more you share the more your bowl will be plentiful Mm-hmm. Lady Rain. 
It has been absolutely amazing. And since you told me when the show started, just remember everybody, tomorrow on my stream at 8 o'clock Eastern, Black Sky Legion Community Game Night. That's again, 8 o'clock Eastern, twitch.tv forward slash Lady Raincloud. And tomorrow, we are going to be playing and having a good time with Star Wars Empire at War. So join me for that and uh, more news there. Hell yeah. And Roy. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Uh, lots of good things going on. I actually thought Xenothreat ended last weekend, so I'm going to hopefully have another crack at it and maybe this time not spend uh, 25 minutes free-falling into Crusader's atmosphere. Bit of a story there. But anyway, um, thanks again, and I'll see you in the verses. I'm going to end up with uh, the official Beltalota Patois for goodbye, which is Oyedang. And I'm going to remind people that right now, the Soul Citizen crew is starting to do some uh, Xenothreat stuff. Go over to the Soul Citizen Discord, which we will link in the show notes. I will go to the thing and link in the show notes right now so that you have it. Let's uh, play it out. Uh-huh. 
Japanese. 